And we're live. Yeah. What are you doing over there, Joey? Just looking at your book. I, I've been reading that book lately, and it's messing Which with one? my head. Which one? I even talked about on the podcast, The War of, of Art. Oh, yeah. It's about resistance. Shit. So now I catch myself. Every time I'm, I want to do something, I catch myself. I've been practicing to look at the resistance levels that comes up, like different things I need to do. I want to see what excuse I give myself. Yeah, yeah. So, it's, it's a normal thing, right? Normal. Mr. Galazzi. Hey, how are you? Hawaii, brother. Very nice to meet you, man. My pleasure. Thanks for coming pleasure. on here, man. Thank I hear fantastic things about you from Joey, from other people. So Joey insisted. He's like, you got to get this guy in here, dog. <laughs> Thank He's you. He's a fucking wizard. What he did for my shoulders. <laughs> what, what did he do for your shoulders? You know, I've been going to Alberto, and Alberto, right. is, Alberto Cranes. is the man in Burbank for tactical fitness. Right. Uh, they do it in the mornings and the afternoon, but... The one kid, Coach Robert, Robert, you know, he would just, after class, he would say, Joey, what are you going to do? you going to go home or you want to do this for a little while? And at first, the first two weeks, the movements were difficult. But then, you know, level one stuff, man. Any age could do it if I could do it. Just laying on the back, lifting your hips and spinning over on your toes and doing it back. And at first, I, I couldn't even, look, Joe, I couldn't move my elbows like that. Nothing, my shoulders my wrists, and I kept staying for the 30-minute thing. Five exercises, three minutes apiece. That's it. No drama. You could be big, heavy. It's all stuff I could do. Picking up your leg, putting it under. All body weight stuff? All body weight stuff that I could handle. If I could handle it on my wrist being 300 pounds, anybody could handle it. Simple stuff. And one day I was getting caught in like a... The guy was pulling me into his, his guard, and magically my hips flew up, and I just mysteriously got into side control. And I something made me look up, and Alberto Crane's jaw dropped. And he goes, that's from doing that stuff. You couldn't do that when you walked in here. But I kept going to these 30-minute things. 30 minutes, five exercises, three minutes. You're out of there at 145. So is this a, uh, like, a, do you have, like, a, a system that you, you bring to a bunch of different places and you have uh, affiliates? Is that yeah, how it works? Yeah, I mean, I'm... I'm pull, this, pull this right up to you. All right, sorry. It's first time for me. To you be ever done a podcast before? No, no, no. first well, time. You speak fantastic English for someone All who's right. from Italy. Right, thanks. I, I believe, you know, I lived there years ago, years ago. Yeah. Oh. I got the, I got the core. I, I got married. <laughs> Years ago, oh. so then I spent some time. Working be careful, Trump might kick you out now. You gotta be super careful. <laughs> no, I already been out. You already <laughs> been out. Back in Europe. Back in Europe. Oh, okay. Yeah, so I'm representing this, this system, right? That uh, is being developed by Scott Sonnen. Okay. Oh, Scott Sonnen. Yeah, so Scott it's Sonnen. like Scott club bells, a right, lot of that right, stuff. Right. Yeah, I think club bells and CST. Uh, we met each other a long time ago in '94, and then. Um, I was doing uh, security contractor work. That was my line of business at the time. I've always been involved in training, martial arts, and any kind of such a training. And, uh, you know, all the injury that I got from competing and uh, normal weightlifting, you know, and I've been lost contact with him for a few years. And then I saw him in 2000 coming out with the clubbers. Clubbers really attract me. It was uh, different tools. You know, and I say, okay, I want to I give you get back in contact with these guys. I want to understand. How can the things can happen? So I went back to him, and it blew my mind. It blew my mind. It helped me to get back in the in the best shape of my life. You know, I feel now I'm 47. I feel I can move better. I do things better than I used to do it when I was 20. So I promised him. You know, I'm gonna make these things happen in Europe. Uh, you, you, you are my coach. You change my thing, my way to see fitness, and I'm gonna do that. So between my job and security, I was introducing this to my teams. 
to my teams and then I see changing on people, people being able even to just to go moving easier, you know, and, and then transfer to whatever it was our training and gun or whatever skills and stuff, everything was easier. So I, I, I start to believe, start to believe basically. And I start to, you know, say, okay, I want to help more people that I can. In my line of duty, in the army, because I still have a different contract uh, as a consultant in the army back home, as a physical trainer, and uh, sometimes also end-to-end combat training. And I start to introduce these things from basic, right? Because the system is very complex, as uh, what Joe was talking about is all the mobility. Yeah, mobility is a big it's factor. Big things, right? It's a big factor because there's for so long people have just been concentrating on getting strong right. or getting in great shape. But I, you know, I know people that are in fantastic shape. They can run forever, but they can barely touch their toes. True. And you, you you develop these bodies that are severely limited in the amount of motion that you can actually get out of your body. In certain motions, you're really good. You know, you could you might be explosive with a bench press. You might you might have a great run. But whatever you, you else you're doing to your body, you're compromising all of your overall mobility so over the last few years there's been a tremendous amount of concentration and effort by a bunch of different trainers uh, Kelly Starrett he's a, he's done a lot Kelly's done a lot of uh, work and his book uh, becoming a supple leopard excellent book on that and Kelly uh, has a, a great uh, Instagram you can follow too and what he's done is he's done a, an amazing job in highlighting mobility and how important mobility and just having a full range of motion which seems so simple but it's not something that most people really concentrate on. Most sure. people are concentrating on getting stronger, more deadlift, more bench press, more this, more that. But you're compromising all these different areas of your body. Absolutely, I agree with you. That's that's from Kelly Starrett, right? The, yes. The, the ball, yeah. Yes, the, his ball. The Matera, that's the, the that ball right there is yeah. the. Um, it's it's one of those. I think he calls it the Wad Supernova. Yeah, Supernova. Supernova. Yeah. I got that Fantastic. one too. It's fantastic. You know? and yeah. It seems like nothing, but when you roll around, you find the spot. You yeah. Can release tension on your fascia. Yeah. I put that on the ground and I do like bridges on it. I lie on my back on it and I put all my weight on that ball. For people just listening, it's a rubber ball that's like the size of a softball and uh, it's really hard and it's got like this textured outer surface and Kelly developed this to... uh, to help you, he also uses lacrosse balls. That's what right. he started out with. But that, I think that's a little bit better than a lacrosse ball. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I, I take one of those everywhere with me on the road. Yeah, Every time I go in a hotel room, that goes in my bag, period. Like, there's no, because if I work out and I get stiff, if I got something locked up, I need that fucking thing. That's what I have too in my bag because all the traveling flight, every oh, yeah. time I get off on some flight, my, my, stiff. my infraspinatus, mm-hmm. my neck, my lower back have the same problem. You know, so yeah. I, I find that those things fantastic. Yeah, like you were saying, Joe, what is the problem, what is what the things? Years ago, to take to a unit, like my community, you know, working with the army or stuff like that, they say, oh, we're gonna do mobility. They will look at you like, do we really need that? You know, yeah. they're all tough guy, you know, they, they right. need to be, you know, they're all thinking about, ah, I need something to get my, myself stronger and faster. Yeah, but they don't get it. They don't get it if you don't allow yourself to regain the, the mobility yes. that you're supposed to have. At one point, you're going to be stuck. You're going to be reaching plateau. You're going to get injury and you're going to lose those guys in the field. That was my point. Right. And I think the system that the Scott created was smart enough to say, you know what? I'm going to introduce this slowly underneath because I give you there's no amount of mobility. Then I, what, what you want when you you want an high intensity workout? Okay, so I give you that high intensity workout. That's tough fit, high intensity. But I'm gonna teach you how to recover for the performance faster, and then I introduce a little bit of yoga. So you're gonna feel better, loosen up when you're leaving, 
And day by day, those guys, they, they start to understand and they start to tell me, you know what? We like the workout, but what we think we need is to be able to move the shoulder again, to be able to, you know, carry my backpack again. And now everybody wants to do mobility more than workout because you can kill yourself in a workout. You don't need me to, to kill you. You know, you just throw the days and decide a little bit of barbie, a little bit of push up, and that. You don't need a, really someone to, you know, to, to, to drive you. Yeah, people are understanding now that it's a, it's a huge deal. And yoga is huge for me. That's one of the reasons why. I mean, I, I still use that supernova ball, but man. Yoga has had a tremendous effect on my back. It's had a tremendous effect on everything. My overall flexibility is better than it's been in a long time since I was a kid. And I just feel better. just feels like everything moves better. You know, but you say yoga to people, and they go, ah, right, you right. fucking pussy. How come you're out there doing deadlifts? You need to do fucking hill sprints. You know, everybody wants to do something that looks like tough guy stuff, that looks awesome on your Instagram. Right, you know, everybody wants to do deadlifts with fucking 450. <laughs> But the reality is, if your body has any weak links, yoga will find those links. You're going to show it. Yeah, right it'll up. show it right away. I was shocked. Like, my, You know what the big one for me was? My feet. Mm -hmm. And this is something that Nick Curson said as well. Nick Curson, who is a uh, really well-respected strength and conditioning coach, uh, speed of sport down in, uh, I think he's in Huntington Beach, somewhere in Orange County. But he trains uh, Joe Schilling, um, uh, Rafael Dos Anjos, Fabricio Verdum, big-time right. uh, MMA fighters and, uh, and kickboxers, and works with Aaron Pico, who's a top-level wrestler, and just a, just a, a long line of like, real high-level combat sports athletes. I asked him, I go, what do you think that the one thing that a lot of athletes have that is something they need to improve on? He said, feet strength. Nobody says that. Nobody says that. True. Everybody's like, so work on your cardio, work on your explosiveness. You got to be able to, you know, fucking throw more kettlebells around. He was like, your feet, like, think about it, your motion. Like, if you can't move out of the way or towards your opponent, you're useless, right? If your foot's broken in a fight, you're severely limited. And one of the things that I found out almost instantly when I started doing yoga and when I started skiing, my fucking feet would be killing me. In the beginning, the skiing was because my, my boots were too small because I have really wide feet. And so my feet would be smashed in there. And it sucked. And I, I, I was like, you know, well, fuck skiing. I can't do it. My feet are too wide. And then I got boots that are made for wider feet. And they fit. But my feet would still hurt after a while. I was like, what the fuck is wrong with my goddamn feet? Maybe it's just because my feet are flat and I'm just going to have to deal with that. No. As soon as I started doing yoga. Now I can ski all day. doesn't bother me at all. As long as I'm doing yoga twice a week, all that foot problems are gone. They're out the window. Because of the fun. balance. It's pretty right. funny because I was watching your flow video the other night. Right. Before I came on, because I didn't have, I, I want to be able to, you know, contribute in this conversation. You guys are two level geniuses <laughs> for me. So if you watch his flow video, the first thing he, he put on some shoes with toes in them, and you're talking about the feet. That Absolutely. before you do anything, he started stretching his feet, and I could see him playing with his toes. And I'm like, you know, I guess this is the. I I, I think it is what he was saying. It's. I hate real, to keep saying real, this, but this has got to be like, right. just, it's, just pull it around. Pull it around to me. Yeah, right there. there It'll go. be great. It's the real thing, go. you know? I mean, yeah. everything, everybody don't think about it because we're standing on our feet, so right. we think we're connected to the earth. We right. are not. We just, it's like it's a post this one on the table, but it's not connected. It moves around, but it has no control. Right. Rebuilding the capability to gra uh, grabbing the ground, understanding the stability of the foot, the mobility of the toes, and the ankle mobility is, is mandatory because yeah. I'm going to transfer power through my feet engagement to the ground, to my leg drive, to my hips, to, and to my core. So everything comes from the hurt. 
These shoes up. make everybody look gay. Uh, yeah, man. There's those, no way those around shoes, it. Those shoes, I no. love them. I, they're very functional, but yeah. they're not sexy at all. <laughs> I can tell you. Well, I, I, will never, I, will, I will never get married with those. <laughs> for sure. Well, I always know the real weirdos when I catch them out at night and they're wearing them. You know, if you catch a guy like at a bar and he's wearing those shoes, that's a real weirdo. <laughs> But there's people that do wear those. Is that your gym? Where, what gym is that? That's uh, my XXL gym. Yeah, it's the gym that I'm uh, dealing with, um, working with in, uh, in Europe. That's that's my headquarter, let's say, in Europe. So it's uh, it's my gym. So this is all what we're looking at here. What's the name of this uh, video, Jamie? Flow Fit. Yeah. Flow Fit. Yeah. Tactic Flow Fit. Yeah. Alberto Galazzi. Right. Vibram Five Fingers. Exactly. So you sponsored by Vibram, or are you yes. just? Yes, I'm, yeah. I'm an, uh, an ambassador for them. You know. And that's a very low-profile one. It has a very small amount of uh, tread at the bottom of it, right? It's very thin, the yeah. one that you've yeah, got on. Yeah, because they're different different types. Different yeah, type. some from, of them are for trail running. Yeah, they're a little thicker. Running, things, you know. Yeah, I try to work with them to, to, to realize something specifically for, for flow because sometimes when you, they have some rubber on the side, yeah, and for some specific flow, especially if you want to focus on your knee, understanding how my knee and my hips work, they get too much friction. So Why I, do you use that instead of uh, barefoot? I go. I alternate it. Like you I alternate, say, yeah, yeah. I alternate it. Uh, if I want to really go freestyle, move around, you know, I I go freestyle. I go barefoot. Barefoot. There's no traction. But some, yeah. But it's you know, if I train like I do sometimes in the concrete, I need something to right. really protect my foot. Right. A bit. Yeah. And dirt and right. rocks and right. stuff like that. You know, that. years ago, you told me one of your biggest fears was getting old and feeling weak. You know, and then. You and I traveled a lot together. A lot of places we would go to jujitsu places, and we'd see the the jujitsu guy, the main guy, and he'd be walking a little funny. You oh know? yeah, they're or, all fucked up. Or he'd be, and that always stuck out stuck out in my mind. Like, why love something so much if in my sixties I'm going to be limping or walking different? And I think this is maybe. This will help that, you know, as you It'll get definitely older. help that. You'll, really? You'll, I think, yeah, that's one of the reasons why Eddie's gotten so into yoga, too. Eddie's doing yoga three times a week now. Uh, and he realizes it after he had back surgery. You know, I mean, once you, when people get older in particular, you start realizing the limitations of some of the things that you're doing. You're putting tremendous stress on your body in very specific areas, especially jujitsu. Right. You're attacking the joints all the time. You're attacking the joints, you're attacking your neck. And almost everybody that I know either has a back problem or some sort of a knee problem or a neck problem. It's just a constant issue when it comes to jujitsu. And I feel like the only way to mitigate that is, first of all, roll with people that you know. Like people that you know, they're good people. They're not going to try to hurt you. They're not crazy. You know, like it's not even their fault, but young people in particular. Like you get like some young 20-year-old kid who's all full of fucking just cum and right. just some little animal. They want to kill. They want to kill. Like a young guy, when sure. they roll, they roll fucking full clip. And you, you could get a knee caught in a scramble and it gets ripped apart. It's just super common. So you got to be real careful the kind the kind of people you work out with. Sure. Make sure that people aren't going to yank on an arm bar or a knee bar or you know a heel hook or something like that. That's big. But also I think that improving your mobility. Like there's just so many times I would go to class and I would be stiff before I walked in the door. Like before I walked in the door, my back would be fucked up. I'd get in the more up in the morning, my back would be fucked Stop, up. I'd be like huh? I'd just be stiff. And then I get in there and start warming up. But jujitsu is so fun. As soon as you get in there, you just do a little few movements you start and cortisol coming in yeah. you get you know it's an anti-inflammatory so you're ready to go <laughs> next thing you know you're like all right you slap hands and you fucking go into war again and then you got a worse back and then you got a worse knee that's how i fucked up my back i didn't just fuck it up in one thing if i had that w like one incident that it got injured in i could have eventually healed it 
what I did was I just kept doing it. Even when I was still hurt, I would keep going. I'll just go light. I never went light. You still go back in there and go hard again and then fucks it up more. It's, I think that we have to be super aware that our body is a, a precious resource and you got to treat it almost scientifically instead of looking at it like, you know, guys like to do curls and bench presses. Cause, I mean, how many times have you seen that where you see a guy with a, a meatball upper body with a little toothpick at the bottom that's holding him up with his legs? <laughs> like you see guys or certain yeah. guys you see at the gym and you go, you poor bastard. Like, what are you doing to yourself? Like you think everything looks good because you got these big biceps right. and big chest, but your lower body is virtually useless, you know, because they don't lift. They don't lift with their lower body. They don't so, do anything with it. You don't. You got to treat your body like, like it's a big old science project. Right. You know, like the, you have to look at it scientifically. Like, what I when people ask me, what do you think? You know, what I think. What is the project? That, I don't know. I'm not gonna train you. I'm thinking always that everybody of us, we know what is the, our point B. So if I ask you when you come to the gym, what is your goal? Most of the, especially young people, they know I want to be, I know what is my point B. I want to become faster, uh, stronger, leaner, whatever. You're saying point B? Point B, yeah. Point B, right, point A to point B. Yeah, we don't really know what is our point A. We think we know, but we don't know. We don't know what's going on inside. We don't know right. our, about our hormone track, about mm -hmm. estrogen, testosterone, cortisol, whatever. We don't know exactly how the fascia is, is messed up with us or the right. joints. If we don't think about that, we're never gonna reach point B, or probably we're gonna reach it, but going zigzag instead to go straight line, and we're gonna face in what? Injury, plateau, yeah. go back to the, you know, imbalances. losing power, imbalances. So that's, that's why very, I think very difficult, something know? like yoga is very important, because it highlights those imbalances. Absolutely. And it seems like this kind of particular motion, like your flow, like that up there, that would also highlight those yeah. particular motions. I, I see I see flow, like for me at the beginning of everything. Why? Because you go through a, a little bit of joint mobility and then you start to connect the exercise logically <coughs> and connect it to what? Challenging your breathing. So also your breathing will tell you exactly when you're forcing your breathing through some of the movement, you should be start to understand and investigate why do I force through this range of motion? Probably something is stiff for me. It might be my joint, might be my fascia, whatever it does allow me to flow through one moment to the other moment. Mm. Because I'm working six degree, I don't just work in a, like in a yoga mat, up and down, left and right. I just try to roll, jump, uh, squat, whatever it is my body should supposed to be doing. And right. I, I look like, like if you know the magic eyes picture? For me, the magic eye picture, the one that you look and then you step back and then magic you see. Magic eye pictures, right? yeah, yeah, yeah. For me, it's the body, you know. When I see you standing or do a couple of movements, I can interpret it yourself a little bit, but when you move freestyle, now I can understand exactly what what's going on with you. Do you drop your knee when you're squatting? Do you know you don't? Your feet is not connected. You cannot torque your knee when you. You cannot even understand the loading one side unilateral power and not to one leg to the other. So for right. me, it's all information that for me as a coach. Okay, I start to plan out what should be doing, what kind of exercise, what kind of strength training maybe is needed for you, more stability or more more, more yoga, because yeah. until you are not ready, I will know let you lift or load your body if your body's not even able to hold in your own weight. You well, know? that's the thing. Most people don't know what their body's capable of doing. Like, and there's a lot of people that walk into any kind of a class <coughs> when they start working out, and they might not even know what deficiencies they have because right. they've been overcompensating for that or compensating. You know, you might have, like, something wrong with your hip, and because of that, it's putting extra pressures on your knee or, you know, one side might be overbalanced. That's, that's one thing you see with a lot of people that have done very specific sports. Like, they're very strong on one side, and then the, the other side of their body's weak. 
And when you do that, you, you, you create these imbalances. You can get some serious injuries because of that. Sure. And, and we take it for granted, you know. Many times you say, okay, my shoulder is in pain, but when I, when I train, no. When I train, I'm good. It's already a senior, you know. You're training, what you're going to do, you're going to release the adrenaline and cortisol, and those are painkillers. They, they are supposed to make you stronger, you know, fight in the freeze or fight situation. That's what is your, the endocrine system is doing to you. But after your training, it got even worse then. So, so you right. need to understand that. As a coach, you should be saying, you know what, we need to fix that. Because it's not good that you start training and working into the pain because you're going to create more raw material that is not needed into your body. And for me, it's like to hold in this bottle. It doesn't weigh nothing today, tomorrow. But if I hold it for one hour, this becoming heavy. Right. So we adapt to this kind of same level. They didn't change the, the level of the water in my bottle, but day after day, it's going to kill me. But people, they don't, they don't understand because they say, oh, I'm used to. I'm used to do don't sleep the hour. I'm used to do don't eat enough. I'm used to to, to walk in this pain. That's not going to happen. Now, what do you think is like the biggest injury that you deal with when you have clients or people that you're working out with? Like, what's the most common? Is it shoulders? Shoulder and knee. And shoulder and shoulders knee. more common those days, especially because we, we, become, we all grew up, you know, in an era that we all want to, you know, pack and shoulder and uh, press. Bench presses. And, and yeah. I believe our shoulder is a complex joint, but it's not strong at all because we, get, we are vertical animal. We are not like sympathies. It's mm -hmm. loading, and if you see the structure, it's holding back. The horse can hold a lot of power on the shoulder. The human being shoulder is just dropping on the rib cage. It's so weak. And then mm. the simple question is, how many of us can even stand just stand and stand on the wall with the feet on the wall? Some people that cannot even hold their weight. You mean you're saying to do a handstand yeah, with your just, feet on the wall? Yeah, just yeah. even simple like that. And how many people even with the feet on the wall can do a handstand press? Yeah, not that no, many. Not that many. And if you ask how many of you, 10 out of, uh, 10, out of 10, they got shoulder injury, probably now they say, yeah, I got an issue if I've been involved right. in this sport. So it's so weak. It's very complex. A lot of tendon, ligaments, multiple joints. Do you incorporate a lot of hanging um, I think hanging is something that people have been really concentrating on over the last few yes, years uh, for shoulder mobility Absolutely. and alleviating impingements. Absolutely. And people yeah, are listening to this, if you have anything going on with your shoulders, I'm telling you, grab a chin-up bar and hang from that thing. And just sure. let, let your shoulder, it relaxes your shoulder, it stretches out your joints. And there's several doctors that stopped doing shoulder surgeries. And to alleviate pain, they've started doing hanging exercises and That's prescribing true. hanging exercises. It's amazing. Just grab a chin-up bar, start hanging from that sucker. And that's true. You know, he has the when I, when I the class starts at twelve, but I go at eleven. And it's not like a formulated class. I go back to the jump rope, and just to get oxygen power so I don't pass out. But Alberto will come back there at like eleven fifteen and give me homework assignments, and they're always different, Joe. Like some days it's a steel club, some days I just work on my hands and knees. And we incorporate our hips, but some days he puts me on rings. <laughs> the other day he goes, "You got rings at your house?" Rings, I go, what like wall? gymnastics rings. <laughs> yeah, I go, "What wall is gonna hold me?" I mean, he's got the whole thing, and he just taught me one thing to because my biggest weakness is my breathing from the sleep apnea. Like I even got hypnotized. I mean, I gotta go tomorrow again. You got hypnotized. I've been going to get hypnotized. What's because, going on? What are they doing? The sleep apnea. You ever wake up with your pants down? No, no, no. I got <laughs> it. Got so severe. Mine was such a bad case. When my machine broke a couple of weeks ago, my wife had to go pick up the machine for me up in Canoga, and the guy was saying, "How's Joey doing?" You know, and he goes, "You know that till this day, Joey came in here as one of the worst cases ever. 
like Joey was in bad shape. You remember what I was going through? Yeah. Falling asleep on your steering wheel and mm-hmm. and uh, that sleep apnea. Like whenever my heart gets going in jujitsu, like no other place does my heart get going like that. When I'm on the bottom and there's so at first when I joined jujitsu, I overcame the panic attacks. So I, I had to just go, stand on the bottom. Like, I'd force myself to get on the bottom. I'd get, like, a whatever you call it, a bridge or a, whatever they call it, a frame. Mm-hmm. And I'd breathe, and I overcame my, my fear. But the other fear I had was when I get too wound up, I can't control my breathing. It's when I would get up from the sleep apnea. <laughs> so yeah. I just I kept thinking about something you said about a, a, on a couple of podcasts ago about a sports... Um, sports uh, psychiatry or something. Sports psychologist. Some people have it. Yeah. And I did some reading and I said, let me just go alleviate this last fear. I mean, how many feet, you know, I got the needle fear, Mm -hmm. but last week I got, you know, I still get that thing in my ear. She stuck a needle in my ear at acupuncture to take the fluid out because my ear is not letting my right, my left ear, the fluid out. So either they got to put a little thing there. What kind of fluids in there? Just from taking showers. You know me, I'm obsessed with showers. And I got to put earplugs in my ears when I go in the shower and I go in there for an hour. When, you know, when California had the drought, I go to Vegas, I get one of those king size pin showers. I smoke a joint going there for an hour and a half. I write jokes. Oh, yeah, I love taking long showers. In the shower, my best material. Really? Yeah, best material ever. You can even practice it in there. That's no, but I get fluid stuck in my ear. And last week I went to acupuncture, and she stuck a needle in there. And when she took it out, it relieved the pressure. Joe, I could feel the blood dripping down my face, and I could hear it hitting the pillow, and I didn't pass out. Oh. Okay. So because I, I want to get these fears out of the way. Back to tactical fitness. The rings. He has rings, and he, Alberto taught me emotion that it's all about my breathing. I right. Don't, I don't leave my ass on the floor. So I basically pick up my hips as a hip escape, and then the same, then I hold that breath, but I pull myself up, I stay there, and then I, as I alleviate my hips back is when I exe- exhale. Right. And then my arms right. go down on that one. So it's a two-point breathing thing. Dog, I do three sets of 10 of those. I'm on fire after that. Yeah, I'm a big believer in that. Fire. Breathing. Uh, um, breathing is gigantic. Fire. It's another thing that seems so simple. Right. It's another thing. You tell people, oh, you got to do some breathing exercises. People go, I'm not doing that shit. I'm doing benching, bro. You're going to build up my pecs, bro. Right? That's what people do. They don't, they don't think that breathing is difficult, but breathing exercises, I, I, this is what I tell people. Breathe in for one minute and breathe out for one minute. Tell me that's not hard. Just take a one minute br- breath in, look at a clock, and say, ready, go, and then breathe in for one solid minute, nice and slow, and then breathe out for one minute, nice and slow. You'll be fucking dead. You're not going to be able to do it. Most people can hold their breath for a minute, but if you tell them to breathe in for one solid minute, it's really hard to do. And then you go to like a yoga class and you take, you know, yoga deep breathing, like pranayama exercises. They're very difficult. And one of the things that I, when I first started doing yoga, like about two years ago, I really started getting into it again. The the yo the breathing exercises after class when you like when you're doing those breathing exercises it was like my stomach felt soft 
it felt like it was kind of weak. Like mm-hmm. it would get tired doing those. I'm like, why is my stomach? And I was like, oh, I'm just tired from yoga. Like, why is my stomach getting tired from breathing out, like pushing air out? It's so simple. Like I do, you know, sit-ups and leg lifts and all this different stuff. Like, why is that difficult? Because it's a different kind of thing. And you're breathing, you're pushing air out with your <coughs> diaphragm, and your abdominal muscles. But now I can do it pretty good. And, but you get to like that Hicks and Gracie point. I'm sure right. you've seen that. Right. Yeah, absolutely. Hicks and starts pulling the muscles up in these weird ways and makes them dance. And it's so connected. You know, brain brain is connected to your breathing. The heart rate is connected to your breathing. And people yeah. don't understand how it's important. You know, to regain access to a proper breathing. Yeah. Even for people, they used to think, okay, breathing for meditation. I'm not into the holistic style. No, pre- breathing right. is good for everything. It's helping you to visualize what you need to do. It. You know. Reset your own. You can switch from your parasympathetic to your the sympathetic. Uh, in what are you saying? The what? Parasympathetic? Yeah, nervous system. You know, it's like you, if you breathe correctly, mm-hmm. especially under stress, and you need to regain access to your cognitive present, especially if you need to do something that is more complex. Mm-hmm. And you f- think about it. Some people they're just thinking, okay, under under the um, the gas response, you know, when my my fight or freeze situation flight, rise, yeah. yeah, and the situation is on, okay. I probably go to my gross motor skills. Yeah, but some people, like a, an advanced fighter and a, an operator, they need to go to access to gross motor skills and fine motor skills. Think about I'm going to run across this room and I need to use my gross motor skills to run faster, but I need to understand where am I going to find cover and maybe shooting back to a target. So now you have fine motor skills on and gross motor skills. I need to be able to get my peripheral view on because I can't stay in my tunnel. So, so wait, wait, hold on. Let's because your English is, is tripping me up. Sorry, man. That's okay. <laughs> so what you're talking about is uh, big motor skills like running and sprinting, and then being able to shoot like a gun Absolutely. and being able to like be very precise and very accurate. Which yeah. is and understanding, yeah. understanding, also interpreting what is the people is shooting at me from. So yes. that's a complex, right? right. That's right. very right. complex. So and do you have guys do that? Do you have guys like lift weights and then go or do like strenuous physical exercises, then go immediately to a range or do on that. a range? We do that, but also you know, in when we, we start to, we, what is it, the importance of um, learning how to recover fast? to using the breathing, recovery breathing, like the tactical breathing, something like you were talking about. Mm-hmm. Some, the Nevesi, they used to do a lot, four minutes, uh, 40 se- four seconds in, holding for four seconds, releasing for four seconds, holding for mm-hmm. four seconds. A very basic way to learn how to get back from the high intensity to above your uh, RA max to, let's say, 85%, something that you can bring you back to a cognitive presence so you can make the right decision. That's So that's important. what you tell people to do, take a four second in and four second out so you're like slow controlling of the right. breathing. That's the, the beginning of understanding, you know, because when I'll be, when I'll be going, <laughs> I need right. to start going into my nose and maybe taking a pose, go out through my mind, so the my rate would be in through the nose, down. out through the mouth. Right. Yeah, that does seem to somehow or another slow down your heart rate right. for some reason. Exactly, and that's yeah. that's when you slow, your heart is slow down. It's gonna give you a signal back to your brain. Oh, okay, now we switch. Now everything is under control, so you can make the right decision and you yes. can get back to the the right the fine motor skills if it's needed. Right, but, and that obviously with when you're training soldiers, it's got to be one right. of the most important things to do to be able to operate under pressure and under like physical right. pressure and make the right choice. Yes, because yes, that's different. You know, the, the survival, not the not panicking right. thing. Right, the, the survival response will tell you do the 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 things that maybe it's more logical to to save your life. But sometimes, like I always use this example, we're gonna cross the street right now. You're gonna cross. You see the car. You're gonna freeze, and then you're deciding jump back or jump forward, whatever is your response to see, to, to don't get hit by the car. Right. 
but it may, maybe that uh, take like 12 milliseconds. And if you've been training more to that kind of let's say, alarm, you're going to see the car and you want to do, before you jump in and out, you're going to look and see on the other side because maybe you see the car, you jump back, you didn't see the car coming from the other part and you got killed for the other car. That take a response of 300 milliseconds. So it's uh, the, the amygdala will tell you to do whatever is needed to get out from the, for the problem faster. But the, the, the long way of your brain response, if you've been training and you're becoming resilient to the kind of alarm and shock situation, you're going to make the right choice. And for a, an operator, for a fighter, whatever, it's logical. Think about jiu-jitsu, a chess game, chess game. Even those guys, they play chess. Mm -hmm. They're so under stress hour, the brain is cooking, and the guys make a move, and maybe me, but they're not playing. And just, you know, I see the move, I say, I got to move this way. The other guy is planning, wait, taking more time to plan whatever is going on. Because you start to understand why you did that move. So it's not the logical for me. I should be going that way. And in training, regaining access to your breathing, to your heart rate, to your brain control is fundamental. That's why I believe we need to be careful and understand if fitness <coughs> is so important. We can do a lot of things. It's not just changing our, our, the way they look. We can help different people in different things. And for some people, it's life-changing. Yeah, the ability to be calm under pressure is something that very few people have. And they just don't, they don't, it's not something that they exercise. They don't get to do it on a regular basis. They don't get severely stressed. So that when they are in a severe stress situation and they have to make a critical decision or they have to use fine motor skills in a critical situation, most people are just completely incapable of right. handing that, 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 that emotional and physiological load. Sure. What is it about? There's something interesting about breathing in through your mouth that creates like a panic feeling, like when guys are right. tired. Yeah, yeah, like yeah. what is, I don't understand, like it's a shallow breathing thing that happens. Yeah, they try to take to, to, to too much air in, I believe. That's and what they, it is? And they brace. The problem, they brace. They brace. When they so brace, they clamp up. Yeah, they call, they call the, we call it like, like a forced breathing, and it, it leads you to, into that fear reaction. And so for your brain, it's like, why are you bracing? You bracing when you don't know something, mm. or you're facing something that you're never expecting. So for my brain, my database is say, it's been there before. In your life, you'll be freezing for something. And they will bring you back, okay, this is a fierce situation. So your, your sympathetic system is on and you start to, to, to lose control. Hit that panic mode. Uh, yeah. I think it's so simple. You know, how many times you, you tighten your lace shoes? Right. And sometimes when you're under stress, under something, you know, you're a little bit losing control of your, or maybe you, you, we fight, we have a discussion, very intense discussion, and you can tighten your lace. So that's right. already showing you. Right, you can't you, tighten your shoe you know, lace because you're all out you're of whack. control. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, breathing in, um, one of the things that you really learn that, like during yoga class, in very st particularly stressful situations, it's so hard to breathe smooth. It's one of, the, one of the things that I've learned how to do is to try to concentrate only on my breath, and it actually makes the exercise easier, which doesn't seem to make any sense. Because before, I'd just be concentrating on the exercise, and what I realized somewhere along the line is my breath is not very smooth, and I'm not doing a good job of controlling myself. So now when I'm in a situation, like a really difficult, like standing bow pose or something like that, right. what I concentrate on more than anything, more even than the posture, is just my breathing. Concentrate on big, slow, deep breaths. And I swear it makes it like 10% easier. easier. Just concentrating on the breathing makes everything easier. And Chrome Gracie said that too when he was in here. We were talking about uh, jujitsu, and he's like, it's breath, man. Breath is everything. And once you can control your breath, once you understand how to control your breath, it makes those positions better, makes jujitsu easier, makes everything better. That's true. 
Sure. Your breath control, your breath, Joey. And you say the right things. You know what? A lot, of, all of us, we know how to brace, how to inhale. We're talking for half an hour. We never stop and do right. while we're talking. But we're not under stress. Right. Yeah. We don't understand. When people understand, they start yeah. to do it. The problem is when people, they don't know how to exhale. If you're taking a man and putting it under the water with the head, right? what is the last thing he's going to do before he die? <gasps> Right. To catch the breathing, so the body yeah. exactly know when it's time to inhale. Yes, but it doesn't know how to when it's time to exhale. That's and under fear. That's we 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 tend to to force in the. Breathing. We see people hyperventilate. Like my six year old gets upset about things. Sometimes she hyperventilates, like she just can't get it out. Like she's upset. Like someone did this to me. I'm so upset. You know, and you got to go. Okay, you got to calm down. I want you to take some big deep breaths. But it's hard to teach a six year old that. Oh, you know? yeah. Now, what the fuck do we do on stage for breathing? Just talk. I've never, never thought about it. Like I started getting anxiety at the store. So now when I walk up to the original room, like on Tuesdays or when I did the wool turn, I forced myself to breathe in and out of my nose. But for years. You get anxiety at the store? Yeah, in the original room. Why? Since I've been back. I don't know. It all started the night I had to follow Morgan Murphy. (laughs) I don't know. I went up there and she was on stage and I... I don't know what it is. I just get anxiety in the original room. Just a little bit. Just a little bit. And at the Wilchin Theater, I walked out and I looked that way. And then I looked at the audience and it was like, woo. And I had to breathe a little through my nose. But what do we do on stage? Are we breathing through our nose or are we breathing through our mouths? We fucking talk shit for 45 to an hour. I looked at the special that I shot and I'm like, where am I breathing? Yeah. How interesting. That We got to watch that next time. Yeah, what the not, fuck are we doing up there? Yeah. You're not thinking. You're just breathing. Yeah. Well, you just concentrated so much on what you're trying to say that it all just comes natural. Just like right now. Like, while I'm talking to you right now, there's, I, like, I took a little breath right there, but I wasn't thinking about it. Right. I just only, I only need a little bit of air. Right, right, right. You know? Because it's so natural for you. Yeah. You know? Maybe take me in a conference the first time and I'm going to be shaking and go yeah. run into my world and then... <gasps> Yeah, a breath, you, know? you see that from people that are giving speeches. Yeah. You, you do see that when the, if they've not become comfortable with public speaking. Public speaking is one of the most stressful things for people, for some people. Like number two or number one in some people's world. Like it's really yeah. bad. Yeah. I had one, one time a judge asked me. Mm-hmm. He was about to sentence me. And he goes, do you have anything to say to you, for yourself? And I had it written down. I had everything, Joe Rogan. I started squeaking. He's like, don't worry about it. <laughs> Guilty. <laughs> I yeah, couldn't talk. You panic. I couldn't talk. I went right into a panic when this little man looked at me. Well, people get nervous, you know. And when you get nervous, your adrenaline kicks in, and when your adrenaline kicks in, everything That's tightens up. Right. You know, it just, <clears throat> you know, and physiological stress, like yoga positions, can kind of mimic that. You know, like when you're in a position, like when you got your hands over your head and you're leaning your whole body to the side. It's very hard to stay smooth with your breathing when you're in those spots. Like, that's the number one thing that I concentrate on. Holding my body in that position is not nearly as hard as holding my body and breathing smoothly. Breathing smoothly is the most difficult part of that, that posture, like a lot of postures. And as soon as you change your breathing, you start to change in inside and you change it outside. Yeah. I see, I see this happening a lot, you know. A lot. What is the first reaction when you're under stress? Tension, tension. But for for if you look back the uh, what happened when you were in the in the I just say prehistoria, prehistory, prehistory, prehistory. Yeah. Think about it. 
The, the, you you are a prey. What you doing? You are like any animal, like a cat in the road. In the road, they start to pump his his hair up so mm. to become bigger, right? right? So that's what we're doing. We growing our shape so the predator might look at us like, oh, we're too big. I'm gonna attack a simple, a simple predator. We try to, you know, our our skin start to twiggling, something like uh, we we don't goosebumps. have we, yeah we don't have hair but we try to do the same mimic the same is things. that what goosebumps are it's yeah. like your hair is puffing under, up to make you look bigger under wow under that's interesting and if I look in you know well, in, how come it's like that when you hear a good song <laughs> that's a different that feeling you got a <laughs> goosebump it's know? like it's like a lot of people they misinterpret or they all thinking that we go okay we go tactical training we do this and we can control. Uh, Fear reaction, no, that's two different things. You can control when you are really under stress for that environment, that kind of uh, situation. So, our rate, fears, and other things. Matter of fact, under high, high intensity workout, you become a rat. Under fear, you become a pole. So, it's different, different physiological things going into your, into your body. So, the only things that people do not misunderstand is that doing some kind of under uh, high intensity workout, we can control also the fear. Mm. Real fear, because real fear is another thing. You know, it's a, well, one of the things you see with fighters is they perform better when they're more active, when they fight more often. So if the fighter fights like three times a year, they're used to fighting every few months, and they get that that feeling of competition becomes right. a normal, natural thing for them. And that's also something that happens when you see a fighter lose. When you see a fighter lose and then they come back, they're very tense, and they fight a lot of times. They fight different right. because they're, they're now worried and concerned about the consequences of failure. And you see that, that fear, that tension. It's in their system. And then they, their whole, their whole way, mode of operating as, a, as, a, as an athlete changes right. because of that tension. Because they didn't recover for the shock, for mm -hmm. the situation they've been through. Sure. And that's also one of the biggest factors when you talk about the difference between the way someone performs in the gym versus the way someone performs in competition. We've all known these guys that were phenomenal in the gym, but for whatever reason, they weren't able to win in competition. In competition. It's so common. It's with some guys. It's almost like, like it's crazy. It's almost like there's a spell on them or something. Like you'll see them in the gym and you're like, this guy's a world beater, but they can't beat anybody in a in a, in a competition. Why is that? Psychological. It's all psychological. They're they are imprisoned by their own fears and doubts. They don't have the confidence to rise to the occasion. They don't have the confidence to perform under pressure. They don't have. They they can't just accept the potential failure. They can't. They they're so overwhelmed and imprisoned by their fear of failure that when they get out there, they can't perform at their best. It's crazy because it forces failure. It's like a self fulfilling prophecy because they can't perform like they do in the gym. They can't just react. They can't flow. Like when you are fighting, when you're at your best, you're sort of just in this empty space. Like you're not you're not thinking about the moves as much as they're just happening, and you're just relying on your training, and you're almost the best thing you do is stay calm. Because as soon as you get emotional, as soon as you get aggressive, you might win being emotional and aggressive. You could catch someone and knock them out, right. but you also might get knocked out yourself. You might do something that's not smart. Like when you're talking earlier about right. playing chess, martial arts is a lot of ways like very much like chess, but way more complicated because your physical consequences are so severe. 
So there's all this fear. It's not just about losing. It's about getting hit. And that punishment of physical consequences is just so significant. It's so much different even than in jujitsu. Like jujitsu, the physical consequences are tapping and losing, and those are terrible. But it's nothing like getting kicked in the face or getting one of those Yoel Romero flying knees to your head. You know, that kind of fear is that's an overwhelming fear. And for some people, they, they, they throw up when they're in the locker room and they, they panic and they, they get so scared. They just sure. can't perform under pressure. You know, you know some, if you transfer this also to some of the operators, you know, they, some of the operators, they literally dump. And when you say an operator, you're talking yeah, about spe- uh, special soldiers, forces, yeah, special ops guys. Yeah. They're, they're, they're tough, you know, they, they are super guys, you know. They are, right. You know, I'm amazed by those guys, you know, and uh, they just chapeau, you know. But it's natural, you know. They, they say, you know, but in during the task, it might, I might be shitting in my pants, you know. But wow. it's, not, it's physiological. It's physiological, and so then, you, then you keep going. Then you keep they going. They just keep going with shit in their because pants because that's a physiological reaction to the kind yeah. of stress factor. Oh your, yeah, your body wants to get lighter to fight back faster or run away, or whatever. Yeah. So it's can't control. You know, there's nothing to be shame about it. You see it with animals as well. I mean, yeah. there's a famous video of these two bears fighting, and as the bears are fighting, they're they're shitting all over the place. As they're fighting, they're shitting. I uh, I, I love watching movies like Collateral or something when. People go into some place and they shoot a place up, and people's reaction, how they run, that's not usually the case, bro. I've seen it. People drop to the fucking floor. People drop without even getting shot. They don't know what. You just freeze. Yeah. The sound of you being somewhere and being transferred to the sound of gunfire is fucking overwhelming. And some people get it and react to it, and some people just think it's the 4th of July. Yeah, you know it's really weird, but I've seen people fucking drop from fear, yeah. drop from fear. Something that I was as a child and I was two blocks away from, just people dropping from fear. Mm. You know, it's so like I remember when I lived in Aspen, they have the ESI Bodyguard Academy in Aspen. Yeah, what, what is that? that? I, know, I know that. I know that. What is it? Yeah, what is ESI yeah, stand yeah, for? That. I don't know, but the guy supposedly was in a room. Six by twelve room, and he killed twelve Mexicans at night point with his bare hands. So he opens up this uh, ESI thing, and it's you know it's twenty G's. You know it's it's a summer long program, and you learn how to adjust up at the high altitude and drive and evasive driving and shooting. Then they have a course on maritime, how to defend people out on the ocean, and wow. all that stuff. But uh, see Aspen and all that, those places like Woody Creek where you went is home to the baddest retired soldiers in the world. And you don't know who they are. You just think that dude over there with the American flag is mowing the lawn. That guy killed 80 people with one hand in Vietnam. There's a guy, there's a guy in Denver that I know. It's I'm telling you, amazing. Colorado is where they put them. Why? Why do they put them in Colorado? Uh, because the mountains to keep them away from civilization for these people. <laughs> just in case they hear Chinese music somewhere on the street. They don't ever want that to happen. Okay? Break glass in and, case of war. And there was a guy that came in that was a Marine that, bro, Joe, you know, anybody comes in with stories. I know one thing. When I see it, I believe it. The motherfucker used to get picked up at Aspen Airport in a helicopter. Yeah. Like they sent like a helicopter with two guys jumping out. Four guys around him, and he would just wave at Uncle Joey. I was 19. And, wow. And he would tell me stories about, you know, the, the, the Green Berets and all these guys were sitting around a uh, thing cooking chili, and they were all telling how many people they killed. I killed 18, I killed 22. Meanwhile, he was staring the soup with his dick. 
over the fire. You know what I'm saying? Like that's a, that's the type of stories this guy would tell me. He had me all fucked up in the head. And I asked him once. I go, should I go to that ESI? And he goes, listen, I'll go in there and smack them all with my left hand. He goes, first of all, you can't teach what you need to learn over there. Over there. Because four years of Charlie in the bush is a lot better than 12 weeks of you hanging out with some white dude with suits shooting people, targets in the mountains. Yeah, it's not real. It's not. Until there's real consequences. So that's why he said it just wasn't. Don't you think, though, it's better than nothing? I would think that it's better than nothing. I would think that the best thing would be actually being in boot camp, actually going to Bud's, actually being in some sort of a situation where you realize this is life. This is real. Whereas if you're if you're preparing like up in Colorado and you're just going through that course, right, no, you no, might no. have some things in your mind. Mm-hmm. But that's one of the things like people say to me like, like should I take a self defense class? Like when they show you how to kick somebody in the knee, I go listen to me. That shit is not gonna like there was there was this guy on the fucking radio that was uh, he was always talking about. Uh, um, it was on Opie and Anthony's show back in the day, and he was always talking about the difference between the street and uh, martial arts. There's uh, martial arts and tournaments. There's no, there's rules in the street. There's no rules. And I'm like, I fucking hate when people say that kind of shit. Because listen to me, the stuff that works on trained killers is the real shit. And if you think that you're going to come in and you're going to throw some fucking karate chop at someone's balls, and you're going to somehow or another be able to stop Anderson Silva from kicking you across the room, you're out of your fucking mind. You're out of your mind. You First of all, you're not going to karate chop his balls. He's not going to let you get close enough to him. And if he does let you get close enough to him, he's going to strangle you. And you're not going to be able to do a goddamn thing about it. You're going to be 100% helpless. So this, these ideas that there's this shortcut, and the shortcut is like street defense. There's, there's a certain pressure points around your neck. I can attack that, and you will be helpless. No, no, no. You're not going to get my neck, you fuck. Let me grab your finger. <laughs> oh, yeah. yeah. Oh, that it. guy's in the fucking store. There was a guy at the store who used to pinch down on literally the, this is the biggest phony I've ever met in all my years of meeting phony martial arts guys. He used to pinch down on your thumbnail. He was like, there's a pressure point on your thumb. Oh, yeah, right. Like, motherfucker, dudes lie on me with their knee on my neck. Like, they'll put all their weight on your neck to try to get you to give up the armbar. Like, if you're in a, a situation where you're defending it's an armbar and a guy's on top of you, guys will put their fucking knee, a 230-pound man will put his knee on your neck while he's trying to, and he'll put all his weight on it. And you're not, you're gonna not tapping from that. You think I'm gonna tap from a thumbnail? It's funny. I, I saw people try to get into the... Special Force community, I try to teach them pressure point pressure shit. Point. Oh. I said, Do you realize this guy's wearing bulletproof jacket? And, yeah, and, you know, vest and, and all the material. You're not gonna even access to the body. You know, yeah. <laughs> it's, it's, so it's crazy. crazy. Man. It's crazy. Man. It's, There's so many stupid martial arts courses. I mean, it's so it's so fucking dumb. It's so dumb. There's so many these uh, ridiculous ideas that you're gonna be able to defend yourself with some tricks. Yeah. But you know, you, you were saying on the car, people, the people that love these things, you know, like, uh, like you're gonna, be, you're gonna have six packs, yeah. ten minutes training a day in six weeks or whatever. You know, Late night like, infomercials, yeah. Yeah. yeah, people love that. You, know? you only have fifteen minutes, but fifteen minutes is two minutes too much. Thirteen minutes is all you need. Thirteen minutes, all you need is thirteen minutes. You're like, wow, that's what I've been waiting for. I want to be shredded. I want to look great in the beach. Thirteen minutes. Fuck the fuck out of here. We've had a civilization of just. These things, you know, big dick pills, which yeah. you go to jump. Just things that, uh, <laughs> yeah. quick fixes. Uh, you know, if you stay up past one, it's it's all attacking men's testosterone level. I don't know what it is about people after one. 
I'm fucking tired. So we're all, all the tired. Time. Yeah, so we're sleeping. Yeah, but those guys that are up late at night, they're just like, <sighs> like half a, half out That's of it. That's all they. Resistance I mean, is down. Do you have more sex drive? I mean, they just sell you some fucking yeah. bill of lading, whether it's the big dick pills or the the six minute workout. Yeah, and then they keep beating each other. Like by one minute, we have the six. Well, we have the five minute workout. And you know what, man? Half of America buys into that. A lot of America buys into those that's, fat pills. That's the sad thing. And once again, if we want to go back to what we discussed before, it's not about also, you know, your breathing. I mean, how comfortable you are in the situation. And I always give this, this example. You know, I believe, I've been there. I don't know you guys, but the, the sometimes you want, you desire to date someone so badly and you get so excited when you get it. And the first day that you go, you feel like you cannot even move, you know. You panic. You panic. And if you... I remember Get to those have days. sex that day. Oh. It doesn't work the way that you want. You you pray that it's gonna yeah. work. <laughs> but after you pass the first shot, the second, the third, it's become better. It's exercising yeah. and breathing control is all the same. You know, yeah. once you get used to everything, comes. You know, well, it's so comfortable. It's just, that's a big thing with uh, again what we were talking about with fighting. When I when I um, I had one time where I tore a muscle <clears throat> and I didn't compete for like six months. It was like the longest time I'd ever gone without competing. Because I tore the muscle that connects the groin to like, um, I think it's called the sartorius muscle. Mm -hmm. It's like at the top of the leg. It was real yeah. bad. I couldn't throw any kicks at all. I could only do my workouts in the pool. It was pretty bad. And so when I was recovering from that, when I got back in, the, like well, my first fight back, I was like, wow, it just feels so off. My timing feels off. Everything feels weird. But then I fought again uh, less than a month later and I felt great. Like less than a month later, everything was like, all right, I know this again. This is this is my thing. I've been here before, and then I, I felt normal again. It's like when you when you have a girlfriend. If you have a girlfriend for a long time, you don't get nervous about whether or not you're gonna get it up. You don't panic like I hope she likes me. She fucking likes you. She's right. naked. She's right there. She's been with you forever. Right. Right. You know she likes you, so it's not it's not an issue. But if you know if it is like you said, a girl that you've been thinking about for the longest time, and you oh, I'm gonna ask her out. Hope this goes well. And then you finally get where they're like, yikes! <laughs> it's like this <laughs> so much panic and the the human penis is such a fucking odd thing in that regard. You know, that's like what a bizarre thing it's designed to make sure like look dude if you ain't calm you're not gonna fuck okay if because we don't want any weak-ass nervous bitches out there making babies so the system is built to make sure that your <laughs> dick does not get hard if you're fucking panicking it's not like it's not like a rhino horn where it's armed and ready at all times no it's like a very specific physiological process has to be in place where the softest part of your body becomes hard like a fucking rock like that the process itself is crazy when you look at your dick when you're going to pee and it's this soft little spongy thing and then you grab your dick when it's at full mast and it's like how is that the same thing because it's this crazy physiological process that only works if you're ready to rock right like you you can't be faking it like you, you your body knows if you're panicking right you can <laughs> there is a book there is a book I don't I don't know how you translate it in English but there's a book that's playing it so well it's so simple about those reaction of the body under stress and you say think about the the, the zebra mm. on the savannah you know that's exactly you know when you are, someone is cheesing you to hit you uh, and when you are under stress, high stress, your body starts starts producing hormones like testosterone. Why? You don't. The last thing you want to have is sex when some lion is behind you. So it's that's yeah. exactly what he's doing. You know? It's shutting down whatever is needed. Shutting down everything. <laughs> yeah. So it's under stress. You know, when you are freaking out, you 
can perform. It can perform. You're not relaxed. You're confident. You know, it's not. zebras are so bizarre because the, you see the way their body looks. Like they're not camouflaged at all. Like they're they have white with black stripes on. Yeah. And for the longest time, they thought that the white with black stripes on would confuse an animal's mind. Like there's a type of camo. Have you ever heard of ASAT camo? As a type of camouflage, it doesn't look like trees or anything. It's just a bunch of black and more uh, oh, yeah, yeah, brown yeah. lines. And those lines for animals, because animals, their their eyes operate on edge detection. They operate on a lot of them, especially prey animals like deer and things along those lines. They're, they, they, they see movement. They don't necessarily see things the way you see things. They mostly just see movement. And so for the longest time, they thought, well, maybe when you're looking like a lion is looking at a zebra, the lion is seeing this zebra's body and there's all the lines confused so he can't see it. Then they realized, no, no, no. What it actually is, is you can't pick out individual zebras. So, like, if an individual zebra like looks different from the other zebras that's the one they they get after yeah. like if one zebra is bleeding and has blood on its body and it looks different from all those other white and black lines that's the that's one they the target one which is kind of fucked and one of the ways they found out this they they tagged a zebra they put like an ear tag on a zebra mm -hmm. and they sent jordan peterson was talking about this recently in this video and uh they put it back into the herd and the lions immediately killed that zebra that's the one they went right to because it had something different like, it, you see all these b white and black right. lines, and then, oh, this motherfucker's got an ear tag. Get him! That's and they crazy. just went right after that. So it's it's really designed, like, look, we know we're get, we're fucked. We're born fucked. But if we stay together, you know, maybe, we, like, look, when you see that. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, when you see true. all those zebras together, it's super confusing. Well, we will have this fucking TV fix soon, I swear. Um, this this, this t TV cuts in and out, that one. That you can one see works. it back. So when you see these zebras and we see these lines, what it's designed to do is confuse the lions so that they don't know which one to target, which is crazy. But if one of those motherfuckers had an ear tag, a big old yellow tag hanging off their ear, the lions would be like, there you are, bitch. I see you. That's kind of cool. <laughs> it's fucked, though. I mean, what a, what a terrible situation nature has given these poor oh, things. Yeah. The lions are camouflaged. The lions look like the, the brown grasses, you know? Sure. And leopard, or excuse me, uh, tigers, apparently, that whole stripe thing with them the is also to, to make them blend in with all their surroundings, all the trees and the sticks. You know, they live mostly in the jungle. So you were asking me before this about the fights. Yeah, yeah, that's the I UFC this yeah, yeah. weekend. What, what do you think? Because where they were counter-starker, that's why they, they keep the distance. On well, them, and they know exactly that's... This is what I think. A lot of people were like pissed off. It was boring. But I think that's because they just want to see people beat the fuck out of each other, which I understand. That's why you tune into cage fighting. But to me, the way I always describe martial arts is it's high-level problem solving with dire physical consequences. And if you run in on Tyron Woodley, you got some dire physical consequences. He's a fucking powerhouse. And if Woodley charges... At Thompson, there's dire physical consequences because he was getting tagged when he would and he said it to me after the fight He's like he caught me a few times as I was charging towards him. So Woodley 
has a different style than Thompson. Thompson has that wide stance, that karate style, and he's excellent at moving in and moving out and almost like point fighting you. Right. He's just jabbing you, hitting you with these uh, clean left hands, sliding out of the way, occasionally throwing kicks, but mostly what he's doing is making you wonder what he's going to do and when he's coming at you. And Woodley had to pick his battles and figure out when he could launch himself at him. So at any moment, something could have happened. But a lot of shit didn't happen. Right. So the people watching at home are like, that was the most boring fight ever. It's because those moments are so critical. Those moments are so dangerous. Right. You can't just, they would like it to be like Frankie Edgar Gray Maynard, just fucking chaos, punches throwing wild. It's not going to happen like that. You can't do that with Wonder Boy. You can't charge at him like that. He will fucking counter you, and you look, you'll be one of those people on his highlight reel. So Tyron Woodley was very smart, and that he knew that he couldn't charge at him. And Wonder Boy, he's not going to charge at Woodley either. I mean, oh. he got almost knocked the fuck out in the first fight. He almost got knocked the fuck out in the in the fifth round of the, the second oh, fight, yeah. too. Yeah. Woodley's a powerhouse, man. He hits so goddamn hard. So everybody had to be on their toes. They all, both had to be minding their P's and Q's. And that translated for a boring fight to a lot yeah, of people, but not to me. To me, I was like, anything could happen at any moment. In the fifth round, it almost did. Almost did. When, Wood when Woodley connected and Thompson's knees went out, I mean, he slumped. He was out, man. He was out for at least a half a second or a, a moment, you know? There was a moment where his legs gave out, his body went limp, and they could have stopped the fight right there. I'm glad they didn't. I'm glad they kept it going. I talked to uh, Big John McCarthy in the cage after the fight. I go, how close were you to stopping that fight? He goes, he goes, I wasn't close to stopping that fight. I go, but you were looking, right? He goes, I was looking. I go, I go you were looking close. He goes, I'll never admit it. I go, but it was, I mean, he was almost out, was right? He goes, he was almost out. He might have been out for half a second, but he, I gave him a chance. I go, he did a great job. He did an amazing job. I mean, that's why Big John McCarthy is so important, a guy with that kind of experience. And if he fucked that up, everybody would be so mad at him. But he did it perfect. It was right. perfect. He has the most difficult job in the sport other than the fighters. Fighters have the most difficult job. Second most difficult job is the referee. Third most difficult job is the judges. Yeah, I believe so. I, believe I think so. Yeah, I believe it's, he's going to interpret trauma yes. for the other people. Well, he has yeah. to be. He has to look. He has to be at the right angle. Right. Like they're moving around and they're fast, and they could go to his left, and he could be over here, but something could be happening on their right, and he doesn't even see it. You know, you don't know. Like sometimes, sometimes guys don't see taps. Sometimes guys don't see uh, certain eye pokes or groin shots. There's a lot of things that can happen. A referee's job is insanely difficult, and they only get praise when they fuck up, right. or they right. only rather get attention when they fuck up. They don't get any praise when they do a great job, and just just they need more. You know, they they, they need more. More people need to understand like how difficult that is. So that moment where Tyron finally did connect on Wonder Boy. And everybody's like, why didn't you do that earlier? Because he could have got knocked the fuck out. Like, that was where the opening was. Woodley right. was so aggressive because he was down on the scorecards, at least in his corner's eyes and in my eyes he was as well, and he had to charge forward, and he had to connect, and he did. But to make that happen, a lot of things have to be in place. You have to understand Wonder Boy's timing. He had been fighting him for four rounds already. He was getting a sense of what Wonder Boy could and couldn't do. He also knew the consequences. He'd been tagged a couple of times. Right. So he knew, like, I can't just rush at him because Wonder Boy was trying to time him with that right hook. He was standing in the southpaw position with his right leg forward. He throws that front leg side kick to the body. He throws it really well because he, he picks it up from the ground, like, low and, and, and it sort of scoops up. So you don't see it 
coming until it's too late. It might not be the most powerful application of the front leg sidekick, but it's very it's very sneaky because he slides in with that foot low, and then it comes up and stabs you. And you don't know if it's going to come up as a sidekick or if it's going to go up and over your shoulder sure. as a round kick. You don't know what he's doing. He's so sneaky. So Tyron had to be very cautious. And for a lot of people, it was very boring because of that. Mm-hmm. But I didn't think it was boring while it was happening. I was on the edge of my seat. I was, I was like, there are moments. There's going to be moments when the right. shit starts flying. And in those moments, that's where the fight becomes amazing. But those guys are smart. And they're not dumb. And the, the belt is so goddamn important. When you have the belt, you get to decide. You fight all the best fighters. You, 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 you make the money. You, know, you get the opportunities for the big money fights, like the Conor McGregor type fights. Those only happen if you have the belt. If you don't have the belt, nobody gives a they're fuck right about you. So for a guy like Tyron, man, that belt is everything. For a guy like Woodley, or a guy like uh, Wonderboy, rather, that belt is everything. If you don't have that belt, you make a fraction of what you make. Like, think about that fight. That fight's insanely close. It was so close, Dominic Cruz afterwards said, that's basically the same fight as the first fight. Right. It's like, you could call, if you call the first fight a draw, you could easily call this fight a draw. And I agree with him. In, so that means that Wonder Boy and Woodley are essentially like so closely matched stylistically that it's a wash, right? But meanwhile, Woodley's the one who's the champion. Woodley's the one who has the potential to fight Conor McGregor. Woodley is the one who has the potential to fight Michael Bisping or who, who else he fights at whatever weight he fights at. And that is where the money is. Right. So he's the guy who's going to get the money. Whereas Wonder Boy, who essentially had a draw with him, proved that he was at least close enough uh, on it. one fight and just a hair under on the second fight, he might, he's going to make a fraction of what Woodley makes, likely. Mm-hmm. So that those consequences have to be taken into consideration when you're watching these guys fight, is that they know there's a win bonus and there's a loss. Like, if you, if you lose, you get your show money. You don't get a bonus. But if you win, you get twice the money. Like, a lot of guys have, the, the way their contract is structured, you know, they'll make X if they win, and they'll make X plus X. If, uh, they'll make X plus X if they win, but if they lose, they only make X. So they might have, they might be getting two hundred thousand dollars for the fight, but another two hundred thousand dollars if they win. That's a giant swing. That's a big deal. So they have to be really fucking careful. They don't make mistakes. I don't like win bonuses, man. I don't like it. I think those guys are trying to win anyway. They're trying to win. I just, I just think like, especially in particular in situations like that when fights are like that fucking close. Like a judge can decide whether or not you make an extra two hundred grand or don't. Like that seems crazy to me. Right, right, right. You still training? Yeah, I, I still saw, training. I saw you boxing. Yeah. I saw you boxing. Yeah, a few, few, few weeks ago, right? You yeah, I'm back doing jujitsu again too. Yeah, that's cool. Yeah, that's cool. Yeah, I was I was working on every back last night at the Alberto Crane Academy. I was night. I came back from Ventura. I was teaching a workshop, and I need some let go something. I didn't want to lift weight. You know, I see the the the, the dojo empty. Well, heavy bags, gloves, etc. Let's go. Yeah, that's cool, man. Well, heavy bag, I think, is everybody would do better if they had a heavy bag in their garage. Yeah. Just go out there and hit that thing. It feels good. You don't even have to have great form. Just go out there and hit it. It's so good for your body to just explode and just release tension and stress. And for people who have, like, joint issues, they have these water bags. It's essentially like a thick layer of um, the outside is like a thick layer of padding like a few inches of pad, of foam, and then inside of that is a water, water bladder. It's filled with water. So when you punch it, it's like, whoosh, your, bot, your arm goes into it. But you could really dig in and hit it hard, but it doesn't have the same impact like on your joints. joints. You don't feel it so much on your elbows and your shoulders and stuff because there's give to it. You know, it's 
creativity once in Sicily. You know, you ever been in Italy? Yeah, yeah. yeah I was at the first time last year. I went oh, to Italy. Oh, cool, Loved cool. it. You like it? Where you oh been? man, I went to Rome. Nice. Went to the Vatican. Saw the Vatican. We went to um, what is the um, the mountain area? Uh, Dolomite. Dolomite. No, god damn it. Alpine. We it was out near where the um, where the volcano killed everybody. Vesuvius. Oh okay, okay. Yeah, we went there and then we went to uh, the Amalfi Amalfi coast. Amalfi coast. Yes, yeah, that's where it was. Yeah. That was beautiful. Oh man, yeah, that's amazing. So beautiful. It didn't even seem real. It seems like you were in front of a green screen. It's crazy. Like you look out, you know, you have to go on this mountain road. It's crazy, Joey. It's a road that should be one lane. Should be one lane, but it's two, and there's buses on it. <laughs> Fucking buses and motorcycles. Assholes and motorcycles. <laughs> Weaving in and out of cars, people in Italy drive like fucking maniacs. Like you have never seen. We all know Italians are kind of crazy. I'm mostly Italian, and you're. You, I know no, you're fucking crazy. Do you have the left hand steering wheel? Or no, no, no. Right, it's regular, like regular, 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 regular. Yeah. yeah. It's only left hand in England and South in Africa. Japan, South Africa. Yeah. Yeah. Have you gotten in a car with a left hand yes. or a right hand? Well, oh, Australia feel? as well. Australia. What did you feel like? It's fucking confusing as shit. You're like, where are we going? Ah, you're on the wrong side. And if you ever, if you ever, if you didn't ever, never stick driving, it's yeah. even worse. Oh yeah, because you have the shift oh, with your left yeah, hand. Yeah. Oh yeah, but you you still uh, the clutch is still on the left hand side, right? And the yeah, pedal's still, still on the right. Still on the okay. left. Still yeah, I think oh. I'd adjust. But it would be the opposite version. Yeah, so this is what it's like on the Amalfi Coast. Yeah. So you're driving on this road. Sure. This is what it's like. That's a two-lane road, Joey. There's a fucking bus coming, and you got to figure out how to get a car past that bus. And we were going, like, and I'm not exaggerating, a half of a mile an hour trying to get past cars and buses. Absolutely. It takes forever to get up there. It should take 10 minutes. That's the road. It should take 10 minutes. It takes 90. <laughs> <laughs> that I'm not kidding. But once you get up to the top, like look at that picture where you're seeing the ocean, Jamie, like like up in the right-hand corner, upper right-hand, yeah, like there. That's what it looks like when you once you finally get up there, you're like, wow, it's so pretty. So pretty, man. Italy's amazing. The food's the food's great. Huh? Out of this yeah. world. That's Fuck your gluten. You better let all your gluten-free <laughs> bullshit. You better let that go when you're in so Italy. So was bitch. there a lot of pasta in Italy? Oh yeah. yeah, yeah. People here say, nah. You go to Italy, it's nothing like that. That's yeah. Americanized. What? It's more fish and stuff. There's a lot of. Well, they definitely eat a lot of fish. No, yeah. do they use? Do they still use gravy like red sauce? No. Not so That's much. Yes, right. Not yes, so much. You can get it, though, and I think one of the reasons why you can get it is because probably people have come over there and wanted it, you know? Do you remember that episode of Sopranos and the guy ordered, he's like, I want gravy. And the one waiter looked at the other one and he goes, these East Coast Italians, they're as classless as the Germans because he, <laughs> he ordered spaghetti with gravy. Yeah. That's not big over well, there. Well, you say gravy, like people are like, what is he talking gravy? Like people think of like gray. No, it's Like gravy sauce, with right, biscuits. Yeah, it was spaghetti sauce. Right. Yeah. Yeah, it's weird. Like bolognese. Yeah. Bolognese, yeah. yeah. They had have bolognese that. last night. Yeah, you yeah. can get bolognese over there, but yeah. what? It, it's just the Americans that came over, they developed a different sort of style of eating. They're like a lot of meatballs. Yeah, like and, Alfredo, Alfredo, Fettuccine oh. Alfredo. Oh. You don't That's, like it? No, I mean, that's the I never, shit you eat when you come here as an immigrant. Right. Like when I came from Cuba, like when you're a white kid, you eat, that's my, my, my daughter likes Alfredo. That's just going to get cut off the menu in like a month. But, you know, no Alfredo <laughs> in my fucking world. Why not Alfredo? Because that's what people eat in Iowa. Like that's the first Italian. They eat like Alfredo. Olive they Garden. love it. You know, no, no, no. That's like a one month training thing. Like when I like I even had it out of a fucking jar. Like that's how Alfredo, Alfredo I was. Yeah, when I was when I came from Cuba and I tasted Italian food, my mind blew up. 
you know, I'm, I was into all angles of it, but the red sauce was last. I'm fucking Alfredo with fucking those thick noodle sauce. That's I like what you it. Give to a fucking horse. I like it. But, no, <laughs> but I, do, I, move, I like Alfredo sauce with chicken and broccoli. Oh no, <laughs> no. mushrooms. Come on, Jamie. Is it good? Right? It's good. You grow out of that. Man. I grew out of that. I was like, it's not my first choice, but I right, like it. No, I don't. But I never heard about that since so, yeah, since I moved here. When I moved here in ninety, it was ninety two, ninety three. Everybody were asking me, do you like fettuccine Alfredo? I said, I don't even know where they are. And That's they said, hilarious. Yeah, you are no Italian. I said, no, I'm from Italy. The passport <laughs> said. <laughs> you don't know <laughs> Italian. That's like a, it's, it's that's crazy, hilarious. Right? It's like going somewhere in, the, in another country and you know, they tell you. It's just here. Yeah. Cheeseburgers on America. What are the meals? So you have bolognese, you have a rabiata. Yeah. You have pasta fazool. Pasta fazool. Yeah, it depends about the, you know, the... The location that you they go, call the it. North, they they the call it the real different. name like pasta vajoli. Pasta pasta yeah, yeah, they don't call it pasta vajoli. Well, that's New like, Jersey yeah. pasta vajoli. But then what's in the? Like we can't get that stuff here in California. What's in the, the gabagooch? Not the gabagooch. <laughs> the 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 other one. The green stuff. The stuff that the gets pesto. your dick hard. The, the pesto? what? <laughs> I thought it was a blue pesto one. Pesto gets your like, no. dick hard. That's a, what, what are you putting pasta vajoli? You put beans and. Um, the, the green stuff, it's not spinach. The pistachio, the, the, the pesto, pasta pesto? No, 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 no. It's not spinach? It's not. What are you? They call it, it's two things. It's it's, a t- so you're talking about a type of vegetable? Escarole and beans. Oh, escarole. Oh. oh. That shit. Escarole gets your dick hard? Huh? I think your dick was just getting hard. Listen you looking me. for a reason. Pasta fazool in the winter. <laughs> you make that shit in November, okay? You know, I ate pasta. When I first tasted it, I ate it every day for like 40 days. Yeah. Like when I yeah. first went to that my friend's excessive. house, I went from 160 to 194, just eating pasta fazool twice sounds, a day. That and sounds like weights. the army. That's the only thing they were giving oh, you. Lifting <laughs> weights and pasta fazool, you get yoked, Jack. It's like taking D-ball. You get yoked. <laughs> yoked. Just pot those beans, that escarol, and that in the winter with all that garlic and stuff, you're off and running, brother. They did have a lot of fish. Like, yeah. I had amazing That's seafood. That's what we on the drive The Amalfi Coast, they had amazing seafood. But the pasta was like a very light sauce. Like, uh, you know how you sauce. get, like, a, if you went to a good place and got, like, linguine vongole, they'll give you a linguine with a very light olive oil and garlic sauce with the linguine. And, like, that is the kind of pasta. Like, it's a very much more delicate pasta. Yeah, because you want to feel, you want to taste the fish. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You don't yeah. want to cover the flavor. Right? Yeah, 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 yeah. That's why if you try to go to a real Italian restaurant, you ask for cheese, like, grated cheese on, like, linguine vongole, they'll look at you like you're a fucking monster. It's like, true. who it's are true. you? You're not going to put the cheese on the top of the fish. Yeah, know? they'll say so it's not, not recommend. Not recommend. Not recommend. They look at you like, mm, don't do it. And you're like, no, 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 no. Come on. Come on, hit me with it. Like Kevin James and I used to uh, always get linguine and clams, and he would get pissed if they didn't come over with the cheese. Like, where's the guy with the cheese? We've got to have the grated cheese. And you would try to put it on like at a good restaurant. They would get they get upset with you. Yeah. They don't want you putting that cheese on it. If you have like like uh, uh, spaghetti bolognese or something like that, they'll, they'll ask you, would yeah, you like some right. cheese? And then you know, that makes sense. They don't even come no, near fish. you. They'll try to stay away from your side of the table if you've got linguine with clams. <laughs> they don't want They don't want to give it to you. Yeah, even red wine. Red wine with the fish. They get mad. Yeah, they get mad. Yeah, they get mad. You're supposed to drink white wine, white with, wine fish. with fish. Really? Yeah. They get that upset yeah. with it? I don't drink yeah. white wine. I don't, I don't like dry white wine. I drink barely, but red wine is better than white for me. That's yeah. I mean, I'll drink white. But I don't order it. Like if somebody pours me a glass, I'm not gonna be. I, I, it's not awful. But if I have a choice, it's always red. I like red. Red to me, it's like it's got a, 
a flavor that's like compelling. It's interesting. It's like it's like it's alive. It's white wine is like chick drink. Sorry, girls. I drank a fucking sexist. My mom used to have a bar, and she yeah. at night when we go home. When I was real young, like four or five in New York City, my mom would have a little glass of red wine. The wine with the fucking Italian paperwork on it that. Oh you, yeah, yeah. You ever go to Michelli's yeah, and they hang yeah, them? Yeah, yeah. Like that shit. So I would, I, I was maybe maybe four, maybe five, and I would watch her. One night I watched her go to bed, and I said, "Fuck it," and I took that bottle of wine. And I fucking drank the whole thing. <laughs> 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 she woke up like six hours later, couldn't find me. Called the police. I was missing. You were drunk as fuck. And the closet shit puked. <laughs> I never drank wine again until, until about fucking eight years ago. I would smell it and it'd still get sick. You get sick, huh? Oh, Your brain remember. She, oh, she wow. would tell me all the time, you, you'll never like wine because you got so hammered that time. We called the cops. We did everything. They couldn't fucking find you. Alberto, what's your uh, martial arts background? I, I started with um, boxing, regular boxing. Then I found that that time was like... 82, uh, big things in Italy was uh, full contact karate. Oh, I remember okay. all those big names, Ben, ben the Jet. Uh, yeah, Ben the Jet Arquides. From right out here, man. He's uh, I North know, Hollywood. I, know from here, yeah. I used to train in his gym when I first came here, when I first came to California. Jerry Blank, right? Yeah. Jerry Blank was down in, in uh, the Palisade, I believe. Mm -hmm. yeah, all those guys were. Yeah. yeah. Super Blinky food. Rodriguez, he was yeah. out here as well. He's Benny's brother-in-law. Yeah. That's I start for now, and then Muay Thai came, and I yeah. fell in love with Muay Thai. And I fell in love. That's my my was my big things. Boy, that Muay Thai fucking changed everybody's eyes. As soon as you realize how hard it is uh, to get kicked to in the kick legs, you in the legs. Right. You know, like, oh wait, what? Yeah, and I was I was like everybody, you know, never try. You know, the first time I went, I say, okay, it's gonna be nothing different. You know, it's like I'm being a roundhouse kick in the legs. And they hit me. Oh, I remember I couldn't walk for a couple of days. You know? Shins, and man. Shin. And then fell in love. So I like Muay Thai, started to compete in Muay Thai. Yeah, karate style with the shin, uh, whether or the uh, instep, rather. When you're kicking with right. the top of the foot, everybody had this idea like that was the way to do it. And then the and moment you get kicked with a shin, you go, oh. Different music. All right. That's, uh... And they got a lot of injury for kicking on the instep. Oh, yeah. On my ankle was... Yeah, you get ankles get run. devastated. Run, so I need to recondition it on my foot, like we discussed in the beginning, mm -hmm. right? So it's, it's a shin kick change. And then during the past, you know, for, for the security, I start to investigate different style, different style. And the thing, the, the guy that changed my, my way to see things, transfer not to competition, but to, to, to my line of duty, was a guy in Israel. But it's, uh, it's because he's uh, been into four war. It's a real man. It's like become like a second father for me. But he always told me, you know, he's the spirit. I don't care the way you punch, the way you you kick, and say, until your mindset is not on point, it's not gonna be. The, you're not gonna be ready to do something yeah. for real. You know, it's so that they can tell you, you know, do karate, do jujitsu, do, do 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 that. But if your mindset, r real things, when you go to war, you do, you know, you need to ap apply these things for real. It's, it's changing. I think he's right, but he's also not right. Because <clears throat> I think uh, he's right in the sense that your mindset must be correct in order for you to apply any any sort of martial arts in, in oh, actual absolutely. competition. Absolutely. But it's always important to have the right technique. Oh, like, yeah, no, no, no. I don't, I miss, maybe I miss saying. I, he was working on, already on, he never believed in the, the Krama guy. He's an Israeli guy. Mm -hmm. He said he introduced the jiu-jitsu a lot. Introduced the jiu-jitsu, introduced the BJJ in his system, right. and introduced the, a lot of boxing and Muay Thai. So you need to have the full aspect of that. And then, of course, if you go 
into the if you were training all the special forces there, the secret service, and you need to have a the right guy for to doing that. Some people yeah. that are not ready to be a warrior. Right. They can train like a warrior, but not a warrior. So it's Yeah. Yeah, I can only imagine, especially like Krav Maga in the United States. There's legit Krav Maga schools in the United States for sure. There's really good instruction. There's really good people but there's also a lot of fucking horse shit. Oh, yeah. Just like with karate. Like there's a lot of mall karate where you go to these places and it might be fine for little kids. They're learning a little martial arts, learning a little discipline. They they have goals you know, I want to get my orange belt, and they get it, and they get excited, and it's good for them. It's good for their mind. But um, it's 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 really critical when you're learning a martial art. One of the most important things is find a legitimate instructor. Right. It's the most important thing because relearning things is so hard. Back when I was teaching, when I taught someone, they didn't know if they didn't know anything. They came to me with no martial arts experience. It was so much easier, easier. than if someone came to me with bad martial arts experience. Because if you have a, a like if you took karate for a, a few years from some bozo, and you did everything all wrong, I would have to reteach you. So when you would panic, if you would get nervous, you would go right back to that old way. Like as soon as someone puts pressure on you, you would go right back to the old shitty technique. That's exactly what. It's it's all about what what is your the learning and the movement database is in your brain is the same position. So yeah. whatever you achieve, you you put in the database is wrong. It's yeah. gonna under stress, it's gonna repeat the same things. That's for the everything, man. For it's everything. For yeah. even for pool. Like there's certain techniques that people learn where they don't learn how to do pool correctly. You you when you're playing billiards, you stand the wrong way and you get used to it. And when you're in a, a match and there's a lot on the line, you go right back to the old ways. Even if you take lessons. Like it's so important that when you learn things in life to learn them right the first time. That's why when you're growing up as a human being, I think it's been an issue with me, and I think it's been an issue with you as well, when you your childhood is kind of fucking crazy. Like you develop these ways of thinking and acting as a child that are very difficult to break as you get older and you get as an adult. It's like you have this foundation that's very faulty and you have to be cognizantly aware. You have to be consciously aware of that. Okay, this foundation is fucked up because I grew up with domestic violence and I grew up with, you know, no dad. And so I have to make sure that I don't fall into these patterns that I had established in my head when I was eight, nine and 10 and 11, you know, as you're growing up as a, as an adult, this is the way you're looking at life. And then you have to kind of restructure it. It's almost like you're starting over. But if you meet someone who has like, a great father and a great mother and they grow up and they have like a great fundamental balance but there's those people used to always make me nervous when I was a kid because I was always like god like these how do they I don't even know anybody like that like I don't I don't they, I, like I, I would feel like inferior to them like when I was around people that had like a good childhood I would feel inferior I still right. do do you sure I feel I feel weird if I like I have I have friends that I think about them now and I go, I want to really interview their parents. Like, what did they do to get this kid to be such fucking, what was their recipe to get this child to be fucking a superhuman being? And I'm not talking about, you know, Julius Irving's father or, or fucking uh, GSP's dad. I'm talking about people who you meet in life that are really fair, that are really kind. I look at those people and I... And I go, I wondered what their parents did with them, like to, to have that ability to want to help people and go out of their way, you know. I, I always think about that shit, especially now as a parent. You're like, what is the fucking chemistry of love for them to understand 
you know, uh, we were talking on the way up yeah, here that's... when my mother died. You know, it was the 70s. And uh, let's face it, we were still specs in that New Jersey neighborhood. You know, in Boston and those areas, you hear things. But I remember those Italian kids coming to my mom's wake, and they couldn't make eye contact with me. The same ones that would say spick or whatever, because I short-circuited <laughs> them. I broke them, because the number one word in Italy is mama. Right. That's it. That's it. When you're Italian, everything is mama. They would come to that wake, and I would short-circuit them, because they never could think of that situation happening to them. Hmm. And I'm still friends with those people today. And I always wondered why, you know, who raised them, that they're super great people. And then you come here to a place like California, and you meet people, and they have nice parents or whatever, but they're just the biggest scumbags in the fucking world. Do you follow them? Yeah. That's what interests me in my life. I always feel like those people, the parents probably weren't around that much. Or like like I, they might be really nice people, but they, didn't, they, they didn't. weren't around to really be, install the, the right... Uh, ideals and values and morals in their system you know maybe the parents were off at fucking swinger parties or some shit Who I knows? always look at that you know with uh, even the kids I grew up with like I have a friend that his dad was little but his mother was solid right. and when you say his dad was a little you mean gay I put a bullet in your fucking eyeball I put lunch, a bullet in your eyeball at lunch <laughs> you know I mean when I would hang out with him people's parents would come to me and go I wouldn't be going over there if I was you. Really? Did you see the article on his dad? Yeah. Oh, he's a psycho? No, no, no. He was... Uh, Crazy? Just a street guy. Okay. And, you know, to today, the kid is one of my best friends. Never had a problem. Never had a law problem. Never... No record. Never ticket. Married. Children. Well, you know school. there's people that grow up with horrible environments, and they come out amazing, and then their brothers and sisters are all in jail. It's weird how a person makes choices make in their choices. life. That that really establishes their entire life, and a lot of that those choices, man. I hate to say it, but it could be luck. They could have made a lucky choice early on, and that lucky choice led them down a better road than someone who's made made a poor choice. Like kids that get involved in the juvenile detention system when they're really young, boy, that fucks them up so hard. The percentages are horrible. The horrible. percentages are horrible. And good friends can, you know, good people around you yes. and can can tell you the right things, you know, even hard, even if it's hard. Yeah. When he's telling you the truth and kind of, it sounds like a smack behind the head, but make you open your eyes, make you say, you know what, I might once be a kid, Once you put a kid in one of those gladiator uh, prisons, the percentages, it's like we were just talking about that movie that came out, Sleepers. Yeah. All four of them went away. Two of them came out to become Westies. The other two came out to be decent. The percentages, it's fifty fucking percent. Yeah, and that's that's on the that's on the conservative side. Right, it's got to be higher. You, once you get that first tattoo, and smoke that first cigarette, all those things, your percentages go deeper and deeper. Yep. You know, once you get the tattoo knuckles that say "fuck," you're doomed. <laughs> <laughs> you know, you know. Mike Tyson got the face tattoo at forty. Yeah. Everything yeah. had already all the bad stuff out of his life yeah. had already come through. But if Mike Tyson would have came with that face tattoo at 18, you know, it's so weird, like, how I saw it. I saw people in the bottom that today, they're successful and the police records don't matter or nothing matters. Yeah. And then I saw other people who were, like, sneaky people, who now they're in trouble for tax evasion. Mm. You know what I'm saying? Like, there's always... <clears throat> yeah. 
My mother was a big thing for me. Like you say, mama. Mama is very important. My mother, she always told me, give more that you can, that you want to receive. Give double, you know. And then also be told me, you know, like be, you know, straight to people. You know, don't, don't, <coughs> don't fool around yourself. So you're not going to fool around people. And I believe that thing, you know. Yeah. It also helps if you know people that work hard. Right. When I was a kid, um, my, my best friends had jobs. They worked hard. They were constantly working. They were always working. At a young age? Yeah, my friend Jimmy Tilio and Jimmy Lawless. I'm still buddies with them to this day. <clears throat> but we were in high school. Those fucking guys always worked. In high school? Yeah, in and, high school. Yeah, and worked. Always and worked. Always worked. Had construction jobs. Always worked. I had construction jobs, too, because my dad was architect. My stepdad um, uh, always set me up with um, these construction crews and stuff, so I always did these jobs that were and so it gave me the understanding that you like like if you've never worked hard and you don't know what the fuck hard work is then all of a sudden you're 18 and then you're in college and then you got out of college then you have to get a job you have no real experience with actual difficult work <coughs> i just don't think you appreciate what it takes to get by and growing up seeing people that had uh, a, a strong work ethic and realizing that that wasn't something that I had, but maybe it was something that I need to consider as being like a very important skill, uh, a very important trait. The ability to like just actually get shit done, to get up in the morning when your alarm clock goes off and go, and you're uncomfortable, you want to stay in bed, it's cold out, you don't want to do it. That, that ability to just do it, just get up and do it. You know that old Nike fucking slogan, just do it? Just do it. It's one of the best fucking slogans yeah. of all time. You know how many people actually went out and worked out just because of that just do it? Oh, yeah. That might have been like the most effective ad campaign in the history of ad campaigns when it came to actually getting people to do things that are uncomfortable and something that actually made sense. Just do it. It's so fucking, so important. It's so important. You just got to fucking get things done. And for so many people, like you were talking about at the beginning of the podcast, Joey, that book, The War of Art, where it talks about resistance. There's so many people that just fuck off they fuck off and they they don't get the things done that they need to get done and that haunts them we know it as comics we know so many guys that don't write new material they just don't they just don't they don't work they don't work you know why because when you have new material man sometimes it doesn't go well sometimes you bomb sometimes you go up and it's clunky it's not ready and when you do a special like when you just released a special you know what it's like you that material's dead now and so now you have to write all new material, and you have a bunch of people that are coming to pay to see you. Oh, my God. It's hell. Oh, you're panicking. It's hell. It's hell. And the, I'm the shows I panic aren't always good. Week. Yeah. I panic every fucking week. Every week when I go on the road, I panic because I do not have a full 50 minutes that's new. I got a couple fucking minutes, and I'm trying out new shit constantly. Constantly. But. And it comes together. Slowly but surely. It comes together. But it's just like anything else. It's sticking with it. Right now, I'm in a slump. So what do you do as a baseball player? Jamie, when you're in a slump, what do you do as a baseball player? You quit? No. You keep fucking hitting. And you keep striking out. And you keep fucking striking out. And you keep it together. You cannot lose it. I.K.A. Tony Perez, 1976-75 against the Boston Red Sox. He went 0 for 17 in the series. And in game 7, he hit the single that changed. They won the World Series, really. So he, he could have just said, I don't want to do it. Mm. I know I'm in a comedian slump. Well, not anymore now, but like in December and January, it was fucking heavy, Jack. But I, you just got to work yourself through it. 
Yeah, you, there's you, you, no you, other you way. Just get yourself through it. It's the weirdest thing. There's no thing. other way. There's no other there's way. There's no other way. You know what? And for me, I could lie to you and say, well, I'm not going to get on stage. I'm going to stay home and write for the next three months. That's not good enough. Ah, wrong answer, Jack. That's not going to work. It's not good enough. You got to keep going to the well. Like, right now I have a problem. You know, last year... I have such a fear of being on my back in jujitsu that it re fucking made me, I will not quit. Yeah. I will not quit. Because what happens if I'm with Joe, I'm with my family one day and I get kicked in the stomach and I'm on my back, am I gonna panic? So I cannot fucking quit. So I kept going back to jujitsu. But the weird thing was I was doing it wrong. Even though I was putting in the mat time, I wasn't working on my breathing. I thought that by me f going three times a week and doing what a fighter does, stay in the and that fighting three times a year that my breathing would come together. Sure. It would come together, but in little, not not good, not good delivery. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, the time I'd put in for what I'd get back wasn't rewarding enough. Mm -hmm. Like, I would think of going on. So you know, needed a different approach? So, and then I started doing those little things with Alberto in the back when I right. get there, the breathing. You know what, man? I'm a big boy. You don't have to tell me dick. I know I got something wrong with the back of my head with that fear shit. And it, with the needles, and what did I do with the needles, dog? Mm -hmm. I, I could faint. I faint walking into a doctor's office. I could smell cotton. I can't smell shit. I could smell fucking cotton, cotton yeah. when I walk into a doctor's office. Yeah. I could smell <laughs> that light. Because it associates with fear. Yeah, it's got Tremendous. When I walk into a doctor's office, my blood pressure is 190 over 160, dog. They look at me and go, how are you walking? I go, take a hike. Come back in 10 minutes. And once my doctor comes back and he starts talking to me and we talk about Chicago and hot beef sandwiches, he goes, watch this. And it's 140 over 80. I think you're right. Yeah. I know. I know. I live through this. I live through this. It's, it's, uh, it's, for, it's all about, for me, when I train people, you know, I try to say, okay, you're doing 10 push-up. And if you come to the eight, the, the number eight, and you see that you start to struggle, that's it. Stop. I don't allow you to do a bad number and uh, number nine because i know number nine is going to be a bad push-up so a bad form so what happened when you're going to be under stress you're going to be repeating right the bad form so for me it's a concept i try to like remap you like you said before yes. when you were teaching remap you in the way that you always try to achieve <coughs> the best so like you say just do it what i say okay you need to repeat the things and do it you never do it wrong don't do it right you never do it wrong because right. do it right once it can come from luckiness right it's a lucky shot I want you to learn how to do it right every single time. And that's when we can step forward to a next level. Do you subscribe to uh, that Pavel Tatsulini? You know, he's got that strong first I love it. ideology where you don't do you don't do to failure ever. Yeah. I do that now. That's, I all, that's how I do all do my work. I don't, I don't lift to failure ever. Like, say if I could do 10 reps or something, I do five. Okay. And then I wait like 10 minutes and then I do another five. Then I'll wait 10 minutes, I'll do another five. Then I'll wait 10 minutes, I'll do another five. And the idea being that it's more important to do more workouts in the week with low repetition than it is to do a high repetition workout. Like, you know, where the, yeah, that guy's like, come on, spot me, right. last one. Uh, uh. That's not good. Your body's not designed to do that. Your body's not designed to be at failure ever. So what you're supposed to do is build yourself up so you're doing these exercises. And he says that you, you should think of them as a skill, that strength is a skill. So each exercise you're doing, you don't want to be tired when you're doing a skill. You don't want to be completely exhausted when you're trying to pull back a bow and arrow or, or shoot a pool game or shoot a ball and pool. What you want to do is you want to have that cemented in your mind when he calls greasing the groove. 
Like each time you do it, you do it perfect, you do it with perfect form, and you just do low repetitions with heavy weights. Absolutely. You know, Pavel and Strong Force, I believe, is another amazing school. Yeah. School of Strength. And one of my coaches of strength conditioning is from that. So. Yeah. And yeah, that's what I'm doing for myself either, even because of those of flight, you know, my mm -hmm. jet lag, my CNS, my synergy system is already. Yeah. What I do when I train, I never, I, I, maybe every four weeks, I try to do one or two reps and 95%. I never try to do a personal record. I mm -hmm. always like to work like 85%, few reps. So even psychologically, I know that I can enter the good form at that level, never gonna yes. stress out, you know, and I, for people who are interested in this, go go to uh, Pavel has there's a lot of stuff online, but I think some of the best stuff online is him on the Tim Ferriss podcast. Really excellent stuff, and you know he's got his own books out there, and he's got books on tape, and he's got videos, and you can see a lot of his videos. But his method is so good; it's so it's so smart, and it's made big differences with me. First of all, it's cut my injuries down radically, like radically. Because I would be doing these, you know, 12, 15 repetitions with heavy weight and like barely getting the 13th one, and then the 14th, and then you know, your form gets all fucking sloppy, your back's bending right, in a weird way, and it's terrible for you. We've been, it's terrible. We've been taught like that. You know, yes. Just push, you know, if yeah. you, no pain, no gain. That was horseshit. <laughs> No, that's not how you, <laughs> it's so dumb. But now, I'm lucky that I have weights at home, so I have kettlebells at home, so I can do it four days a week, five days a week, and I'll work out for an hour. I'll just go in there, it's eight o'clock in the morning, I start lifting. I'm done in an hour, and I'm not even exhausted. Not only am I not exhausted, I feel kind of pumped up and kind of charged, right. but I'm not like, oh. Like, I used to work out sometimes, like back in the day, I would do lifts, and uh, by the time the lift was over, my I was lightheaded, my legs were shaking. I could barely walk. You, you don't have any energy left to do things. <laughs> and then I would try to go to jujitsu. Hilarious. I would just get mauled. I just couldn't do it. You, 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 I know I'd be fucking wrecked for like two or three days. So I'd be really nervous to lift in the morning and then do jujitsu at night because I would know that I was, I was going to be operating at like 50% or 60%. I'd just get my ass kicked. But if you do kettlebells with low repetitions even with heavy weight you could do a real good workout and then that night you could work jujitsu and you could be a hundred percent now what's this guy's close name? Pavlov? To Pavel. Pavel Tatsumi. Oh, well, Pavel Tatsui also. Tatsulini. Tatsulini. Kalabib. He also wanted like he doesn't he wants you to finish the kettlebell workout energized. Yes. Right. He doesn't want you to finish it mort. Yes. Like he doesn't yeah. want that at all. It's right. Like I read that yeah. about him. That's his whole thing. He yeah. wants you to finish there ready to go take on the Absolutely. world. And I tell you, I was I called Joe and I go, Joe, I gotta talk to you. I go, You gave me the kettlebells. I love doing the, the cleans, I right. love doing the, the the swings, but you know, I try to do ten sets of ten, twelve swings in ten minutes. And I would do that and I'd achieve my goal and I'd be very happy, but then I couldn't go to jujitsu for three days. Yeah. So what the fuck did I do? I'm fifty three. What what, right. what, what? You know, and I, but I would go, I did it. And then I'd do right. five sets of cleans with 235s, and then uh, strand, then jump rope, and then try to do sit-ups. And then for three days, I'm dog shit. Yeah. I'm dog shit. And I called him up, and he goes, then dog, cut it in half. Right. And then I said, you know what? I'm only going to do my weights now on the road. When I go to a hotel now, every two weeks, I work every other week, I'll hit the dumbbells and do the elliptical. But when I'm in town, I'll just do the tack fit in the beginning. A little uh, jujitsu, and then I do a tack fit at the end. And you know what, man? I don't want to walk around hunched up when I'm 60. Yeah. I got a four-year-old. I gotta be around and be 
I like that I could touch my toes. You know, I like all this stuff. But one thing I noticed about TacFit, that there's a couple moves that they put in there. I don't know if you did it or somebody did it, that they're jujitsu friendly. Oh yeah, like the movement, movement. You know, if you look when, if if you look even the kids rolling around when it's, a, it's in his early stage, you go to some you know double S, they can transfer to a shin box or whatever. You can go into the rolling into the guards. So you got to talk up to the mic. Oh sorry, so sorry. so you can you can see he you know movement is movement. So what we what would my coach start to do it, start to analyze those movements and try to get uh, mechanical information about those movements. Yeah. But they, they apply very well on transition for some jiu-jitsu move. Yeah. And th that's another thing that Alberto was, you know, was uh, blowing his mind. He say, if I get the guys to move better, it's going to be easy for me to pass the technique because they, they're... Of course, their body the, works The body better. already know it. One know? of the things that Eddie found is that um, guys who are break dancers yes. excelled in jiu-jitsu. And uh, there's a kid who fought this past weekend, Lando Venata. You know, Lando Venata, Groovy Lando, who fought this past weekend. Uh, he fought David Tamer. Crazy fight. It was a co-main event. Lando has only been striking for six years. And he's phenomenal. But what happened was he started with a BMX background. He was a pro BMX hmm. racer. And he was, like, apparently, like, a national champion, BMX. And that pumping, pumping bike legs, you know, just be being able to, like, like generate extreme speed off the line. He developed this explosive ability to use his legs. And so that, like having cross training, whether it's through tact fit or whether it's through yoga or whether it's through kettlebells or break dancing or anything else. Soccer you, for Aldo. Oh yeah. Soccer for all those Brazilian yeah, Sprinting, all that sprinting, sprinting they do and all the kicking they do in soccer. The, learning how to move your body. Like, look at what's going on with Conor McGregor right. and that Ido Portal guy. Yeah. They're, he's concentrating so much on movement, and movement is a, just a huge factor in his success because his ability to dictate, like, where, well, first of all, his ability to move in and out <clears throat> is, is better than almost anybody's. His ability to get out of the way and his ability to move in closely and move like a fucking snake. Right. Like he's on the outside and then boom, he's in. And he's in before you know it. And these these complicated sort of tricky moves to try to time and follow. Very, very difficult guy to time. And a lot of that comes from constant application of all this movement theory and movement training. And con like the more you can move your body any way you want, the more you're going to be able to move your body any way you want in competition. Absolutely. And, you know, at the end of the day, like you say at the beginning, it's... Uh you can call it Taffy, SFG, Ido. As long as the coach, the coach is in the coach in charge, he really smart. He understand how, yeah. to, how to map you down. That's good. Yeah, and, and then Nick, Nick Curson, we were talking about what he's into is all plyometrics, man. He he barely has these guys lifting weights. He's got guys jumping over uh, like hurdles and stuff and doing all these leap leaping back and forth and back and forth and back and forth. Like he's all about movement and in a plyometric way, in an explosive way. And that's one of the reasons why he gets such great results out of his fighters is because they, they develop this extraordinary ability to close the distance, extraordinary ability to get out of the way, you know, the ability to move and then to stop what you're doing and then counter quickly. You know, all that stuff is just so giant. Man. Now, how does this CrossFit fit into everything we're discussing right now? Because Studio City <laughs> is the fucking capital of CrossFit. I have my you know, you can't go anywhere in Studio that's... City without seeing... Five guys my age running down the street with a 50-pound plate over the head. And I'm sitting there going, something's not right here. 
What do you think? I, f- I can't tell you what I think. You know, I think CrossFit um, at the beginning has a brilliant idea. It was bringing back a lot of things that were disappearing, like Olympic weightlifting and gymnastics and stuff. So I, you know, I think it was good. It started to you know, ruin the things when the games came, when they become a really an official sport and people, they just get crazy. You know, it's a competition. So they're just training with that goal. I need to beat that cup time. I need to beat that things. And they don't understand, you know, it's, it's going to kill you. At that speed, at that uh, timing, so it's going to be too much. A lot of injuries, I hear. Yeah, but it needs tendons, ligaments, muscle, need times to adapt. And if you're taking a, a weightlifter, you spend an entire life to do that kind, to learn that kind of movement perfectly, never, never screw the movement. And how many reps he does in his competition? One. He can't die. He can't do that kind of athletic just uh, movement so fast. You know, even if you reduce the weight, because you can control one or two, three reps, and then you might be yes. using up. I was talking to Michael Lodge. Michael Lodge was one of the most successful um, CrossFit coach, especially here in, in South California. He used to have um, uh, a big CrossFit gym in. Uh, in uh, Van Nuys, so. and he was telling me about it, you know, he has more experience with me, of course, CrossFit, that was his business, he told me, I believe that if you do, you do it when you are 20 years old, or something like this, into the 30, you, you can speed a little bit, then if you are smart enough, you understand it, that then you need to slow down, if you train cross without thinking, cup time, uh, try to see online how much this guy did, so I want to beat this guy, and you just, training smartly you do your weightlifting your rings and win it's gonna be good you know it's gonna be but if you if you just take it as a sport it's just conditioning you for that sport such as crossfit you can conditioning for jiu-jitsu try to do a crossfit wood with the cup time because like you say you're gonna be destroyed yourself. you keep saying cup time what does that mean oh you know cup time is like okay you're supposed to do this wood and let's say Wood, wood, W-O day, workout of the day. Workout of the day in 30 minutes. Let's say you're supposed to finish in 30 minutes. Maybe you. Maybe for me it takes 25 minutes. I'm not sure about it. I will do it in 25 minutes because I know that I can control my movement. I'm not going to get injury. I don't care. But most of the people, they go online because now they want to see how much time. And he was telling me, it's crazy. They need to uh, rebuild the site, the website, and put more, more... more power because people they go but when they wake up in the morning they're gonna see okay what is the word of the day this time then when they go they go to to work they're gonna go online again and see okay east coast they already probably did all right that's the average time all right so i'm going back the time i finished work they go online again to see okay now east coast this is the time now i go to the gym I try to do and put my my time in that in the evening I go online to see if someone beat me. So they go into this loop thing that they want to compete, always right. compete, and always then, compete for time. Then yeah. you know it's you're gonna kill yourself. Well, Steve Maxwell said that he believes that what you're doing is when you're lifting and you're doing these Olympic lifts, you should be doing Olympic lifts to get you stronger for another sport for a competition. He doesn't believe that it should be a sport. In itself right and he also said that I don't he's, he doesn't believe in Olympic lifts for high repetition he's like you're it's just a recipe for injury right. he goes, like, if exactly. you're doing cleans and presses he goes you watch Olympic lifters they do one, one. rep one rep yeah you, they're not doing it 30 times in a row and you know yeah it can it be done yes you know what else can happen you could drop that weight in your head and die because your body's failing because you you know you did 14 reps and everybody's going come on come on Alberto one more like, <laughs> and you're 
Right. Arms just literally give out, and that thing paralyzes you. That has happened. That happened already. Yeah, yeah, it has happened. It's, but like you say, you know, it's it's a sport. So if you want to do a, comp- a games or competition, you need to train that way. Because right. You need to, well, so, there's guys that can do it, and they do do it. You know, there's those I'm, rich froning guy that has the, the, you know, he wins it every year. Right. There's guys that can do it, and they do do it. But you, the person who's listening to this, the average human being, you are way better off following like a strong first method. You know, or like your method or, you know, what Pavel teaches where you're, you know, you, you lift the weights, but you don't go to failure. You use great technique. Absolutely. And if you want to get endurance, run up a fucking hill. Okay. Go do rounds on a heavy bag. You want endurance? Do sprints on a heavy bag. You know what I do? I have a timer and uh, it times, um, it's, uh, I set it for three minutes and every 30 seconds a buzzer goes off. So it's, there's a bell, and then every 30 seconds there's a buzzer. And when those 30 seconds hit, you fucking sprint. So it's 30 seconds, like, bah, 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 boom, bah, 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 boom, bah, 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 boom, bah, 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 boom. Just go fucking crazy for 30 seconds, and then the next buzzer hits. So the next 30 seconds it. is so light. The next 30 seconds, I'm just sort of going through right. the motions. So I'm kicking and punching, but and I'm waiting for that fucking buzzer, and that buzzer goes off, and then I go off again. Just do that if you want endurance. Right. That'll give you phenomenal endurance. But strength... I, I am of the opinion, and, and this is just from the last few years of me operating this way, that you should do low repetitions and you should do it more often. Absolutely. I agree with you. That's you what know. I do for me, and I get better, I get stronger you know, than before. And, and I, I took my hormone track, uh, tracker, uh, mm-hmm. and I, understand, I took my cortisol level test, and it lowered and lower just to train like that you know give yeah lower your stress yeah, yeah recovery time lower reps no no burning my how do you schedule your own personal workouts do you do you have someone do it for you or do you decide based on how your body's feeling i do i do to myself i do to myself and then it's depend about i i have my schedule about how much traveling i need to cover in mm-hmm. that specific time you do of a day. lot of traveling huh? you keep talking travel. about that that's an issue huh yeah for for let's take an example just for january from an, so since January till now, I've been in um, Australia, I've been back to uh, in Italy, then I went back to Brazil, Brazil, back to Italy, Italy, Panama, Panama, Mexico, Mexico, yeah, then I go back to Italy, then I go back to Korea. Oh, so Jesus. It's, it's, and then happening uh, this week, I'm here, next week I'm in uh, maybe New York, in Australia, and it's, it's, so it's crazy for me. That's why I'm really very careful about the way that I eat, the way that I train. Yeah, and um, sleep too, I bet, right? Yeah, right, it fucks right. with your sleep and all that yeah, traveling. Yeah, so then, you know, like I was... Joy, I use a lot of melatonin, of course. I melatonin, to, yeah. I use phosphatidylserine to reduce my cortisol level, you know, uh-huh. and, and try to, and I try to plan, okay, I'm gonna land in this place. The time zone is different. I, I try to adjust my meals of the time zone, you know, try to my training to the time so I can set up. Mm. It's pretty complicated for me to stay in a decent shape. Um, and you know, do you bring vitamins with you? Yeah, I get I get vitamins in a lot, vitamin D and uh, E a lot. Yeah, D and E. D&E yeah, and, e a lot. and uh, what about like as far as like your diet? Like, what do you concentrate on? Do you concentrate on eating a lot of vegetables? I eat, sure? I eat a little bit. I actually try the um, super green. Oh, super, me, greens. super greens, very cool. Yeah, yeah super greens is great because you can take it with right, you. Right, right. Exactly. It's easy for me because stuff, man. That's yeah, great oh, stuff, it's giant. Me. Yeah, I don't like greens. Yeah, so. no, it's I, great I love greens, but in, in some places, some places you go, it's crazy. They, you ask for veggies, and the only things they give you, yeah, it's uh, nothing. It's nothing. It's a salad or yeah. a couple of things. You know, it's a, that's easy for me to put on my shake or whatever water. I don't know. Yeah, vegetables is so goddamn important. So important for people, and so many people just they don't have it in their diet. They mess up and. Your body just does not have those nutrients, and it starts drawing them out of your body. It takes it out of your bones. It takes it out of your muscle. 
And also, you're, you're just not recovering correctly. You're not developing correctly. Where do you get your produce from up here? I mean, that's the dumbest question. Tomatoes don't taste like tomatoes no more, Joe. Well, that's because the tomatoes that you get in the grocery stores are designed to last longer. They're not designed to taste good. No, but I go but like if you the get farmer's heirloom markets. Tomatoes. I do as much as I I went, got up yesterday early, went to the farm. I try as much as I can. I mean, I can't. I crave tomatoes. Like, go to, Get heirloom tomatoes, Joey. They look ugly. They taste amazing. No, I get them. they only last like a few days. Like a few and days, they go bad yeah, that's the problem. Because they're real tomatoes. They're not these fucking Franken tomatoes yeah, that I you don't get. Yeah, I don't go to them. You get tomatoes, they're hard and they're pale. You cut into them. You're like, what is this a tomato or is this an <sighs> apple? Tasteless. Yeah. Like, what the fuck is this? It's, it's weird. And, you know, the, they only do it so that they could keep them on those trucks longer and drive around the country with them and s keep them on the, sh on the shelves in the Are grocery store longer. Are you growing your own produce yet? Yeah. No? Yeah, we grow our own vegetables. Yeah. Tomatoes? What else? Yeah, we grow tomatoes. We grow kale. We grow um, squash. We grow cucumbers. We grow a lot of things. Yeah, I think um, if you can, you should do it. It's it's very satisfying to make a salad out mm -hmm. of something that you grew yourself. And just super healthy. You know where it came from? You know, we buy real healthy fertilizer, good soil, you know. And I think good soil is really important, too. Um, I have a friend who lived in Brooklyn, and he got his soil tested. It turned out that the ground was contaminated with lead from uh, back when they used to have lead um, gasoline, when they had mm -hmm. leaded gasoline. Like, all that shit goes up in the air, and it all comes down. It's in your soil, and it was in his soil. And there's different uh, plants that you could plant that will draw it out of the soil. Um, or the best solution, I think, is if you have a yard, just get potted plants. Just get those, you know, big wooden boxes. and. Right. Grow the plants That's what in I got. there. That's, what I got. Yeah, That's no. the best way because then you can completely control what soil they grow in, and then you know it's it's just a very contained environment. So that's how we do it. We have um, these big potters, and you know we grow watermelons and all kinds of different. I think stuff. I got to take a course because that would be my world. That's it to become an old yeah, Italian you should man. Do it. you roll do up it. your pants, get a cigar, get a hose. Yeah. Oh, I love it, Joey. Plants. I love it. People right come now, over. Right now, everything's so green out here. It's so amazing. Yeah, it's beautiful because it's of all so the rain. Amazing. The rain has been a, it's amazing. It's been raining a lot here, right? Huh? It's been raining a lot. Like crazy. <sighs> yeah, we had a drought for five years, and then this year it's just been flooded. They had a giant break of a dam in Sacramento. Oh, yeah, that's true. You see I that? Was, I was in, I was you see in, that, Joey? I was in Panama. What happened? Yeah, it's true. It's fucking true. awesome. Awesome. There's this thing called the glory hole, the morning glory hole up uh, northern California. It's this crazy hole that's in this lake. And uh, it hadn't operated in 10 years. It hadn't been uh, doing it because it's like this, like a vortex, like a, what, what do they call those when it spins like that? What do they vortex. call those things? Is it a vortex? Vortex, vortex? So it's, it sucks this, this hole somehow or another. When the water level gets to a so certain point, it develops this hole in this lake, and it wasn't there for 10 years, and now it's finally back again for the first time. Wow. Yeah, there, there it is. There we go. Isn't that nuts? <coughs> wow, that's crazy, yeah. Yeah, so for 10 years, the water level wasn't high enough for that actually to be happening, and now it's finally happening again, and people are all excited. So it's pretty much over. All of the, the drought issues that we had here in California are pretty much over. Tell this fucking guy. I don't care what TV they get. Just get rid of this goddamn... We've been waiting on this other TV for so long. Tell him today. Say, just get whatever the fuck you can get by Saturday. Because we have a fight companion on Saturday. We can't have this happening. Um, but anyway. Yeah, do, do, so, you, do you take protein? Protein? Yeah. Honestly, no. Yeah. Uh, I very rarely do. More I take hemp food. protein if I have to. Like if I'm running and I'm low on food. And I just yeah. I haven't eaten anything, but I know I'm going to work out. 
Um, I like hemp protein because I can take like a, a glass of hemp protein with coconut water, and I could I could work out in thirty minutes, like no problem, because it digests so easy. So easy yeah. It just goes right into your system so easy. It's a nice light. It's only you know you're only dealing like sixteen grams of protein. It's nothing too crazy. Um, but most of my protein I get from meat. Well, yeah, real food. That's what, yeah. I, what we were discussing in the car. Yeah. You do. If I'm on the plane and I didn't get the chance to cook my food and take on the plane, may I got some protein. But otherwise, I like right. I like to get some whole food. You know, chew yeah. it and. If I knew I was traveling and I, w I couldn't get it, I bring a lot of bars with me. I bring these. Um, there's a company called uh, Primal Kitchen. This guy Mark Sisson, and Primal he makes Kitchen. these. Yeah, he makes these amazing bars because they're very low sugar. It's only like five grams of sugar. Yep. He's got, got coconut. He's got um, cashews and coconuts. He's got almonds and yeah, dark chocolate. Is there some back there if you want to try Oh, my them. God. He's got a, a coconut. I go crazy for coconut. Dog, he's got a vanilla coconut meal replacement. Oh, yeah. It's you very know me. good. You yeah. know me. Right. <laughs> I could drink this at 7 in the morning. Yeah. Me. Smoke. And not eat till 2. I don't eat till after jujitsu. Wow, so so I will drink that protein powder because I mix them up. I use the hemp. I use that. Like if I have a long, like today, I drink the cocoa because mm. I'm not going to be out of here till two. Right. Oh, you see me hungry? You see me fidgeting? No. It's the real fucking deal. The key is low sugar. That low is sugar. the key to eliminate as much sugar in your diet. And by the way, folks, that includes fruit juices. If you're thinking that you're drinking a big glass of orange juice in the morning and it's healthy. That's the worst thing in the fucking world. It's, right, it's so crazy. We thought that was healthy for so long. For so long, we thought, oh, I'm drinking nice, healthy orange juice. Look, it's got Even the Even if you squeeze it at home. But they yeah. cut cereal. They might think, oh, we cut cereal. I don't need carbohydrates, yeah. but they get the yeah. juice. It's all, all right. sugar, crazy, man. man. The more sugar you can cut out of your diet, the better. And uh, Sunday is my cheat day. Yesterday, I had pizza. I had a Cuban sandwich. I had a, a, Cu a Cuban sandwich that uh, um, was fucking delicious. What is but a Cuban I'll sandwich? I always, it was in the movie, right? In the Chef? El Chef? The yes. What I movie? Think, I didn't see Chef, but... What they, is Chef? They had a Cuban it restaurant. A movie. What movie is that? Was that a movie with yeah, Bradley he, Cooper? Wait, who? Was that three uh, people? John Favreau movie. in this movie. Oh. He makes a food truck. People really oh, like that. Truck. Truck. I never saw it. A food truck. I, I love the movie. What was the one with uh, Bradley Some, Cooper? Something else with him now. No one saw that movie. Yeah. He didn't even see that movie. Somebody put a... The people, uh, that made, the people that edited that movie fell asleep. Somebody put a unique thing on my page, Joe. I got to show you. They put... This uh, thing about a restaurant in New York City. It's called, I've been there. Ari's been there. It's called La Caridad. It's the last Cuban Chinese restaurant in really? the United States. Cuban Joe. Chinese? Joe, you got to put, and they have one last Cuban. His name is Antonio Wong. And the guy. What? Joe, you got to put the thing on, please. So there's a, there's a Chinese community Tr in Cuba. Huge. The biggest Chinatown before Fidel. Really? Biggest Chinatown on the out, outside of China. Wow. But the people that were born there started talking Chinese and Cuban. So when I was growing up, you had like Ampana China, which is the Chinese bell on 57th and Bergen Line. But the real deal one was this last one called La Caridad. And yes, somebody put it on my page yesterday, and we were watching it. Look at this. Wow. All right. But they have, so they have... Uh, Chinese a, a, Cubana. Criollo, e criollo, criollo means what they do. Look, Look at that! that. Fried bananas, pork Wee. fried rice. This is in New York. Yeah, see if you can find the video, Jamie. They put it on my Facebook page. We need to go. Next time we're in New York, we do a gig you together. Have, Ari goes all the time when he was in New York. He's really? They're open till two. But the somebody found Ari, by the way. Yeah, Vietnam. Yeah, he was in Vietnam. 
They got photos of him. But before so that, they met he, him on a fucking beach somewhere. But before that, he was in Thailand. That was a month ago. He could he be somewhere he's else. He's a fucking right. animal. He's crazy. His phone's still off the hook. He was supposed to be back a month ago. Then nobody knows where he is. He's not coming back till May. May? May is when the shoot the show shoots. Is that what he said? He's not coming back till May. I don't. I don't think. I don't. I don't think we'll see him till next month or even hear from him till next month. What a weirdo. Could you do that? Could you vanish for months and just not talk to anybody? No, not at this point. He's not talking life. to any of his best friends. I mean, we're his best friends. He's not talking to us. He's not talking to anybody. Maybe he's talking to like one dude. Maybe he's got a confidant. <laughs> one dude that he calls up. Hey, man, I'm only calling you. You see Gabriel Glaciers? Him too. What? What's he doing? Canceled this tour. What? <laughs> why? Canceled this tour. But why did he cancel his tour? 20 years. I looked at a headshot of myself. 10 years passed by. Done. That's what he said? So I'm at the Minneapolis airport. His manager looked at me and said, talk sense into him, please. Well, what did he say? What, what, what's his thought process? He's just working too much? He worked. He, he, needs to, he joined boxing class. He joined salsa classes. Really? Just wants to live? Just wants to live. He yeah. bought that new Mustang Joe. That, that's a bad motherfucker. Which one? Which one did he the get? The only one that they made, 77 of them. Oh, the Shelby GT350? Is uh, that eight, what it is? How many, how many horsepower? Oh, so, I don't know. It's pretty high. <laughs> it's just it's too amazing. much. Shit amazing that you don't car. really need. They only made 77 of them, so he's going to go and ride his fucking cars. And he's got a shitload of money, Gabriel. Sh and he's got a shitload of cars, so he wants to do something with Jay. And they're going to drive cars and wave at people and throw <laughs> a lot of bills out the window. <laughs> You know, I've been thinking about this myself, man, because my uh, UFC contract is going to be up again. Uh, I only have I do it one year at a time now. I used to sign these long ass contracts for like five years, but now I'm like I'm not doing that anymore. I'm I'm going year by year, and I have to decide soon because uh, my contract's up again in August. I don't know what I'm going to do, but I do too many things. I do too much. I work too much. Mm. You know. And the family really wears on you. And we were talking about date night. How now on Fridays I got I got the bill of laden sent at me. Once they give you the bill of laden, that means that? it's over. That's uh, the act of, we had the act of 2017 at the Diaz household. <laughs> Friday night is wives, dog. I yeah? don't give a fuck about your stand-up no more. I got to get out of here. I got a four-year-old that drives me crazy. So Friday night's date night? That's it, official. You know what, man? You and I have been talking about this, too, that in town, it's maybe sometimes even best to not go out on the weekends and work. Because even though it's good to work and it's good to like get your stand up in on the weekends, everybody's there to see the big show, right? But for us, especially now, like for me, it's only a couple months since my special came out, and for you, it's just a month and a half, right? When did your special come out? Three months ago, December eighth. Yeah, so for me, it's three months too. Um, so when when that happens, or four months, when that happens, your shit comes out, and then you're in this scramble mode where you're trying to create. And what I like, what you're doing is you're going to these hole in the walls, go to these weird places, and show up and, and work your material out in these joints. You go to the comedy store on a Friday night, there's 400 fucking people, it's packed to the gills, and everybody's doing their best 15 minutes over and over and over again. And one of the things that I noticed when I went there recently is a lot of these guys that aren't doing uh, specials, you know, there's a lot of young guys coming up in particular that they, have, they don't have any specials. They, they're not releasing any material. So they're doing the same material. Every time I see them for fucking years now for two years when I've been coming there There's certain comedians that have been doing the same act every time I work with them So what they're doing is they're they're tightening up this hard 15 minutes and they're doing it all the time And you know how to do that 15 minutes. I don't think that's helping you And I don't think it's in a lot of ways. It's not helping me either like what, what really helps is you do long sets on the road 
You know, if you go somewhere and you're doing an hour and you're doing two shows on a Friday, two shows on a Saturday, that's what helps. That's where it's at. It's, uh, you know, I got the podcast because just the way my office building is, I don't, I can't go in there in the daytime and smoke a pound of pot and play loud music. And right. I just can't do it and I don't want to do it. So I prefer to do it at night when I don't have a gun to my head. You know, if I yeah. come here at one o'clock, Joe, and we have to sit here till four, from three to four, I'm going to be fidgety or out of control. Right. Because I'm thinking about that fucking traffic. Right. I want you to do right. the podcast. Right. I don't want you to think of nothing. I don't want you to think of nothing, bro. Right. If you got a spot, don't do my podcast. Because we might go on a tangent that's brilliant. Yeah. And you got to leave for a stupid fucking spot. I don't no, want that. don't so do it. Yeah. I do that Monday, and then I try to do comedy two, three times a week, but now I'm doubling up. When are you, do you have a guest this Wednesday? For your podcast? Yeah, why? What's up? Because I was supposed to do it. I'm supposed to do it one of these times. We'll figure it out. Tell me when, so I could cancel okay, yeah, whatever comedy I got going yeah, on. Yeah. No. What days are you doing it? Mondays and Wednesdays. Who you got tonight? No, I'm not doing it tonight. How come? Because I did it last night. Oh. I did two yesterday. Oh, nice, nice. I did the undercover cop finally. Oh, how was that? Joe, fucking, to be close to a killer for 18 months who sprays cyanide in your face... That's what he was doing. He was chasing this guy. That was the Iceman, right? Yeah, he was chasing the Iceman. So he had to meet him, and the Iceman for the the only reason why the Iceman contacted him was because he heard he could get different guns, and you know he was ATF. So when the Iceman contacted him, he wanted cyanide. So he kept saying, "Bring me the cyanide," and then he was going to sell him arms. So for eighteen months, this guy had contact with this guy. I had to meet him, meet him in a diner. He said he would hold his gun pointed right at him when he would meet with him. Under and the table? Under the table, but you also had to sh sit outside. He always told him to sit outside because he didn't want to be downwind of the cyanide. Jesus just in case he's, because he Christ. would just spray it in your face. You're done. So he was always worrying that this guy was going to ice him. Ice him, literally. Ice him, literally. Wow. And then he would kill call, you. You know, they call him the Iceman for people who don't know. He uh, would kill somebody and then throw him in a fucking freezer in his basement for like, seven eight months so they disappear and then he put them in this fucking basement and then he would toss the body somewhere so it would confuse the fuck out of people they didn't know when the guy died because he would thaw out and then they'd be like why does this guy have frostbite on him what the fuck is this going guy's on? intestines are fresh yeah right. like his intestines were still fresh but meanwhile the guy had right. disappeared six months ago so yes. they called him the ice man he had a f he kept these fucking people in his basement do you know how Cold-blooded you have to be to You're going to sleep in your basement. You got a bot. Did he do it in his basement? No. Or did he have a warehouse? He, he had, had, a, warehouse he had a warehouse in North Bergen, New Jersey where I'm from right on Newkirk I got my dick sucked out there <laughs> one time by Gabby right out there I saw Gabby driving on Kelly Boulevard and I just stopped her and she goes, what do you need a ride? I go, no, Gabby, can you suck my dick? She goes, get in <laughs> <laughs> What a good kid and then uh he killed like there he uh, is he Richard had, Kuklinski, right? He had killed. Uh, I lived on Givenad Terrace, and on Charles Court there was a uh, uh, a guy named Mr. Softy. He had an ice cream truck, and that was his partner until he killed him too. He right. killed all his fucking partners. Hmm. He killed a lot of fucking people, and he killed a lot of people for the Gambino family, right? Wasn't that who yeah. he worked for? But he was uh, doing shit that it just wasn't. Like they asked him one time about he bought he bought a bow and arrow. He bought a bow and arrow, one of the ones that you have like a gun. Oh, crossbow. And the guy says, how do you know it's going to work? He goes, let's go for a ride. Oh, Jesus. And there was a guy at a light with a motorcycle helmet. He shot him right in the helmet and just took off. Guess Whoa. it works. 
He was one of those dudes that just didn't care. And that's what this guy was saying yesterday. He goes, you really don't know that this. He goes that uh, one day my kid it was Halloween and he had the horns on at the house and I had to tell the kid to take him off because in reality I was sitting across from this guy every day. This guy would talk about murder like the way you talk about lifting weights. Like I shot him in the throat and he didn't really die, so I I look at the you know it's just shit that's not right. you know like just you gave me that book Murder Machine right you remember that book yeah 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 Roy DeMeo oh Jesus Christ that's a fucking scary book and it it details this guy who's a um, a mob boss what was it in the seventies yeah like in the seventies and this it, it details how he slowly started killing a bunch of people like slowly but surely and then they would cut him up in their fucking bathtub. Uh, and then they had this one apartment where they would take these people to that was above this bar that they would go to They'd take these people upstairs and fucking kill them and they killed so many people But you know they were animals because right. it wasn't even for business anymore. No, no It, wasn't they get, even they get into it. it was like he disrespected me Yeah, like he disrespected me he called my sister fat Really you got to walk them upstairs. They'd shoot them and stuff. Yeah, then they'd hang them and they'd cook yeah, and they'd wait for the body to drain. I mean, who, who yeah, they would cut that? the neck and hang them, and so that the blood would all drain and out then of it. You go in and chop them up and and put them around. Who does this shit? How yeah. do you fucking sleep at night? You know what I'm saying? I could see somebody calls you a motherfucker and you shoot them. Shit happens. You know, somebody owes you ten thousand dollars. Somebody hits your sister with a car, but they just they were just doing shit to prove that they were animals. That's animal shit. Well, I think what happens is you get used to doing it. Just like we were talking about fighting, and the more you fight, the more you get more comfortable with it. I think there's something that happens to people when they kill people. They get real comfortable with it. And the more comfortable they get with it, the easier it is. And then they start getting a rush out of doing it. And there's also this power to know that there's this guy walking around, and you know his wife thinks he's coming home, and you're like, you know what? You're not coming home. I'm going to just stop this right now. And that... That that it's almost like they they get a thrill out of like playing God, in a lot of ways. You know, you, yes, sir. Yes, sir. you know. I read the because before I spoke to him, he told me to read a different book. I had read a different book on the Iceman, and he told me to read a different book. And again, this was our conversation earlier. What book did you read? Uh, it was uh, it, it was a different author. This one was by Anthony Bruno, called The Iceman. The one I had read before, Carl. Uh, was by a different author, something Carlo, and they said he had he had caught the Iceman later, when he had become more exaggerated. I killed Kennedy, because towards the end you killed everybody. He was there when they he killed Castellano. Yeah. yeah, he found out that he was getting people's dick hard. So this guy wrote the early one. It's really weird, you know. His dad just beat the shit out of him, beat the shit out of the mother. Jersey City. Yeah, just made him a know, monster. Bro. you know, there's no difference between Jersey City and Hoboken, uh, Newark. It's the same right. animals and. He said that there was a kid that would always call him Polak. He had to wear the same clothes to school every day. He had no money, you know. And uh, the kid called, he described his first murder. You know, how he got a stick and waited for the kid to come home. He was 14. You know, when you kill somebody at 14. I thought he killed a guy at a bar. With a, I thought he killed a guy and strangled him. That was the, remember he lit the one guy on fire? Yeah. Like he once, but the first guy he got was his young guy, and he wouldn't give his name. He beat him up with the two-by-four, and he went upstairs, and the next morning the cops were outside. He thought he just drew a beating on him. He didn't know he killed him. Hmm. So he was scared. He kept puking. He kept going to school and thinking that people would know. And after that, that's it. Once you get away with it, it's like a, what's, you yeah. get the taste. The taste. Yeah. Yeah. That taste in your mouth. And then he started. Then he had an argument with a guy over pool. 
and he beat him in the head with the pool cue 30 fucking times. And then he got into another beef where he shot the guy outside, but he lit the car on fire with the body in it. You know, the reason why there's so many unexplained deaths was because his first couple of years, he was going out at night. You know, there was a time when I had four drinks and I'd go rob something. Can you believe that? Just the drinks would get you, like you'd the, feel I, loose. I, and like, I would great until I had four drinks, and then I'd be walking home, and I'd see a store, and I'd kick the door open for some fucking reason, you know? Wow. He would go out and kill, and people. kill, people. And kill people at night. Like, go somewhere, and let's say you just insulted him for the weirdest thing. Like, hey, get out of the way. He would wait for you outside and shoot you, so that's how he developed his things, you know? Is and that then, episode available now? Which one? The one with this, uh, no, this cop? No, I didn't put it up yet. When is that one going up? Probably this week. I'm going to do a wrap around the rally because it was a phone call right so i just taped the phone call it was sunday and i'm gonna do a wrap around it compare it to the book he's a great guy i really had a great guy i mean i got to talk to him every day he's like 70 but he's essex county he went to the university of nebraska was a golden gloves champion went back became a state cop then he became atf just a fucking great story man there was two guys that were talking about your podcast it was fucking hilarious they were talking about lee Lee Syatt, and they were like, what Joey has done to that poor guy. He's like, every time he sees him, he's forcing him to eat mushrooms. He's got to take acid. He's giving him pot. He's giving him edibles. He's lying to him about the dosages. <laughs> Lee loves it. I'm going to tell you, he loves it. He does. He's we great. Just did the, we did that liquid acid with the ice cube, with the sugar cube. Oh, Jesus Christ. About two weeks ago, we did it two nights in a row. It was hilarious. On the show you did it? Yeah, and then he called me the next day. He's like, that was fun. <laughs> he goes, I went to CBS at four in the morning. He wasn't like that before he met you, though. No, but he's you, having you, a great you time. You turned that kid into a freak. He's not a freak, man. I turned him into a functioning savage. <laughs> <laughs> but I love him like a, I love him with all my heart because he uh, makes me... He makes me laugh so much, Joe. Like, he just, you know, I'm 54. It's 28. He's half my age. Right. You know, I see life from his perspective, you know, and I'm like, Jesus Christ. Well, you guys get along together great. It's like a great dynamic, the two of you together. It works really well. Oh, I love, I don't see him too much during the week, so I keep the relationship fresh. We talk all the time. I torment him all the time. The other day I called him. I go, what the fuck is wrong with you? He goes, what are you talking about? I go, I just got a letter from the state. Why is your fucking phone tapped? I, I tormented him for 20 minutes about his phone. Like, why, why would my phone be tapped? I go, do you work for the CIA? Is that what the <laughs> fuck it is? They made you come over and take my acid so you can report back to them? No! You said it to him. What the fuck is wrong with you? I don't work for the CIA. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, uh. I said, don't worry about it. It must have been a mistake. Uh, <laughs> now you got all fucking paranoid. When the guy got me the liquid acid, right. I, I, I called him and I said, listen, I got... Uh, liquid acid. He's like, and you can hear him getting anxiety on the phone. He goes, oh no. <laughs> right? Like you can hear a little bit. And then he goes, how are we going to do it? Oh. I said, so we're going to get sugar cubes and put the acid on it. But I called him back like a day later. I didn't have no acid and I had no sugar cubes. I just made it up. I go, listen, I just put the acid in the cube, sugar cubes and I put them in the Tupperware and I put a lid on it and I left and when I came back, the lid had blown up. So whatever's in that acid is going to be really fucking strong. I go, I put aluminum foil over it with holes so it could breathe so the acid won't fucking go into, oh my God, I had him going for three <sighs> weeks. I go to Cleveland, guess what? Some guy comes up to me, gives me a tube of acid. I says, this is the pharmaceutical grade shit. This will kill Gaddafi, the whole fucking thing. <laughs> I go home, we put two drops on each ice cube 
on each sugar cube. Oh, my fucking God. Yeah. But see, again, that's why I quit everything, because my tolerance is too high. Back in the day, I could do two drops. I'd be high for 12 hours seeing things, unicorns. I seen something for like two hours. But who knows what, what, how strong it really was, too. And you're getting it from Cleveland. Yeah, you got to get it from like Northern California. Oh, no, no. But then I lost, <laughs> I lost a 10 sheet from a guy in England. A guy in England gave me some stuff, Pink Floyd acid. It's the same one that Sid Barrett took when he quit Pink Floyd. So I took that. I saved that. So now I'm going to get the liquid acid. I'm going to put it on the blotter from Pink Floyd, and we're going to go deep. I'm just saving that one for a good guest. Mm, I like it. I like it. Well, let's wrap this up. Um, so, Alberto, how can people get a hold of you? It's Alberto Galazzi yeah. on Twitter and on Instagram. Instagram and Two Facebook. L's, right? Yeah, Galazzi 2L. Yeah. Two L's. And uh, Joey, obviously, Mad Flavor. And uh, Mad Flavor on Twitter. And Mad Flavor's world is like someone's running that for you, right? Yeah, yeah. Lee, Lee does all that Lee stuff. does that? Yeah, yeah, okay. yeah, yeah. I thought it was a one-by-one-podcast guy who does that. Well, he does the Instagram. Oh, okay. Beautiful. The Instagram. the Instagram. Okay. Lee does all I'm the Twitter stuff. I'm in Baltimore next week with my main man, John Rolito. Oh, John Rollo. Where are you at? Where, you, where are you going? I'm at Magoobies, just three dates, me and Tom Segura. Tom Segura does the following week. Oh, beautiful, so, beautiful. yeah, we're going to have a good time there. And uh... Awesome. And the podcast is The Church of What's Happening Now. It's available on iTunes. Fucking great podcast. And he's doing seminars everywhere, and he's doing On It in Austin. Oh, beautiful. When are yeah. you doing the uh, On It seminar in Austin? Austin, it will be in um, the middle of March. Middle, middle, middle of March. March? Yeah, yeah. Which is this month. So right. uh, what, what's your schedule? Where can somebody uh, go find it? What's the website? Oh, they can go to TACFIT Academy or TACFIT Europe. So they can always find me. So, okay, so they yeah. just Google your name. Yeah, Google stuff my name. Okay. He's got tons of stuff on YouTube, man. Beautiful, Great stuff, beautiful, so. beautiful. Thank you. Appreciate Thank you, man. it, man. I appreciate it. Really, really yeah. fun talking to you, brother. Joey! See Love you guys you. tomorrow. <laughs> Bye. Love you too.